Ladies and gentlemen, Wednesday Night Wallop presents the end of the year awards. so much for tuning in to this year's Wednesday Night Wallop Annual Awards. We are talking about the best and worst of wrestling had to offer for 2022. I am co-host of Wednesday Night Wallop, Kyle Joseph, and alongside me, as always, my pod brother and real-life cousin, Rylan Turner. Rylan, it's time to talk about 2022. It is. It really is. And this was a... uh... I put this list together, uh, full disclosure, I uh, I am now COVID negative, but for the last few days I've been COVID positive, that was my uh, 2022 Christmas, so needless to say, I put this list together while sweating profusely, hacking uh, viciously, and uh, trying my best to focus on purely wrestling, so uh, it's going to be interesting, That's for that's for sure. And this was, so we're going to get into the list in a little bit, but this was a particularly hard year for wrestling because, I mean, the the highs were really high. I think this year was the year where we got some truly great matches from some unexpected people um, and, you know, some great performances. We got a lot of very good, but this year was also, in terms of wrestling news, the most chaotic year in wrestling I can't think of one that I can remember. Maybe 1994. This was a wild year for wrestling. Well, also, like we were, we were very young children in 1994, and now we are wrestling journalists, quote unquote. So heavier quotes in, in, in that, uh, yeah, for sure. But like, it's it's great to see. You know, it was great to see some of the stuff. It was interesting to see some other things. And this was, oh, it was just a wild year. And, you know, some of the stories that came out that we've talked about, uh, in advance of this one just made it a really, really heavy year. And to try to boil it down to some bests and worst was definitely difficult, particularly the worst this year. I found, I don't know what you found, but I found the worst was really hard to compile this year. I agree. And, and you know what's funny is we said the same thing last year, but I think this year was even harder. Yeah. And the thing, and like, because, I think we only covered together probably only, I think, seven or eight pay-per-views total. Yeah. But there wasn't really a really bad one that we covered, you know? Oh, there was. There was. Oh, we, I mean, there was one that, there's one, and the one that made my my worst list was the obvious choice for me. Yes. But I will say, like, there, there weren't that many, even, you know, on some big WWE shows and stuff like that, there weren't that many truly terrible matches this year. There was a lot of good stuff. Um, AEW, same thing. With all the chaos going on backstage, once they got into the ring, for the most part, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, the chaotic individuals running those companies aside, this was an interesting year. So we're, uh, we're going to go through this. But before we get into it, I promised that we would revisit our list of predictions from last year 
Are you ready to go through this list again? Yes. Yes. Because let me tell you, I listened back to it, and I could not believe the words I was saying. I know. (laughs) Some of it was so, like, what are we even talking about? It feels like seven years has passed since 2021. Okay. So let's talk about this. Um, Our first one, we would... We get a match between Big E and Goldberg. We both said yes. The answer turned out to be no. I I almost want to give this one a push because I do think we could have gotten it had Big E remained healthy. Sure, sure. But I do not think it would have been at WrestleMania. No, I agree with you. Which I said. Yes. Number two, an NXT star gets a main roster debut. Ah, uh, you said ne- yes, I said no. The answer turned out was no. There was no big NXT 2.0 jump to the main roster. I do think it's coming, though. Yeah. I, I thought Braun Breaker for sure would, would come up in 2022. It turns out he was just going to ride it high in NXT for the entirety of the year. And good for him, because yeah. the guy was... He is continuing to be probably the biggest star out of that class of NXT. Him and, I would say... Um, Roxanne Perez uh, and 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 you know what uh, Mandy Rose as well because Mandy Rose did incredible things in the year of 2022 she did not make either of my lists this year just based on my watching habits yes. but uh, I still want to give her credit because she was unjustly let go a few weeks ago from WWE turns out turns out folks it doesn't matter because uh, she's made half a million dollars since then. Good for fucking her. Get your bag, yes. Mandy Rose. 100%. Uh, take it all. I am I am mad respect. Anyway, number three. Amos wins a singles title. You said no. I said yes. He wrestled some pay-per-view matches with Bobby Lashley. But that built to absolutely nothing. It's true. It's true. He, he was, uh, he was uh, pretty much... Other than that, useless this year. I, I don't want to say useless. He was non-existent. Not, he wasn't featured. No, he was not. He was barely featured, and it does like it seems he like ever, since he, the Triple he did H make thing, my list. Though he did make my list. It seems like since the Triple H thing that it's slowly starting to wind down. Yeah, and I do wonder if 2023 we're going to see a renewed push, or if this was you know a sign that this is not working out. Agreed. Roman Reigns loses the title, number four. You said yes, I said no. Turns out he didn't. He added another one. Um, <laughs> this, I, I mean, it's one of those years for Roman Reigns, and I do still think we're we're running that until WrestleMania, but we will see. I do have some questions about that later. MJF wins an AEW title. We both said yes. He won the big one. He did. And I think everyone saw that was the right decision. Number six, CM Punk wins the AEW world title. You said yes. For whatever reason, I said no. You um, won it twice. He did win it twice. And that second title reign was a doozy. Yep. Um, but suffice to say, I was very wrong about that. And I'm more than happy to eat my words. I will say, um, we'll get to the next one. I'm pretty proud of this one. Number seven, the 24-7 title was retired. You said no. I said yes. It's Very retired, publicly Kyle. retired. It's retired. Nikki Cross, of all people, binned it, and it was gone. It's gone. What a year. 
what a year. Like, that doesn't even make an honorable mention of a list of stories of the year. Mm-hmm. What a year this has been. Women's tag titles were retired. We both said no, it was not retired. And yeah, suffice to say, hopefully they're going to start working on that. But I do feel like tag wrestling is still the last thing that uh, Triple H needs to address as we're going forward into 2023. Agreed. Number uh, number nine, celebrity match at WrestleMania. You said yes. What was I thinking saying no on this one? There were two of them. Logan Paul had a match at WrestleMania, lest we forget. He had a few matches this year. And Johnny Knoxville had a low-key match of the year candidate. Very low-key, but yes. Of, yeah, it was a, it was like very In terms enjoyable. of entertainment factor. Yes. Yeah, in terms of entertainment factor, that was a fun one. And yeah, what, what, a, what a match it was. This is a hilarious one. Number 10, would we get a Shane McMahon match this year? We both said no. Yeah, he showed up at the Rumble. Yeah, and it happened to be his last match. It we we may not get another one. That was that was wild. Wrestling in 2023 2022, man. Agreed. Number 11, over 30 wrestlers released from WWE. You said yes, I said no. This one was interesting because the reason it turned out to be true the thing I didn't see coming was them shutting down NXT UK. Yes, I didn't. I, I didn't even put that together. I thought that we were wrong on this one. Or I thought, sorry, I thought I was wrong on this one. Yeah, it turns out there were thirty-three. Wow. So just over, but the re- big reason was about uh, ten or tw- twelve or fifteen of those came when NXT UK shuttered its doors. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that was a surprising one. Number 12, AEW debuts a new title. You said yes. I am baffled by my no. <laughs> they debuted too. <laughs> they did. The trios title, the All-Atlantic title, and if you want to count the ROH titles, they added those too. Uh, those were already established titles, but they did technically debut the, the uh, TBS title in 2022 as well. But we knew that one yes, was Yes, we knew coming. that was coming. Yes, that's right. So we didn't include that one, but yes. Bret Hart makes an appearance in AEW. You said yes. I said no. It turns out he didn't. No. Um, I think I I did say I think he might be done with the business. And yeah, um, I was. I think I might be right about that, which is a bit sad. It is. It, it, he's a guy who, while I feel like he's not giving too much, like Arn Anderson, while he's cut some interesting promos, um, in his time as a manager in AEW, I don't feel like Bret Hart necessarily has that drive to cut these promos. And mm. I think that for a manager, you, that's necessary in this day and age. I agree. So I agree. Uh, uh, while I would have loved to have seen him make a, even a one-off appearance, I'm, I'm kind of relieved at the fact that this guy can just sit at home hating Bill Goldberg for the rest of his life in his chair watching, watching wrestling. Yeah. One hundred percent. With his very beautiful young wife. <laughs> um, number fourteen, Bray Wyatt debuts for AEW. You said yes, I said no. This one feels like a push to me um, because he didn't debut for AEW. He came back to WWE. He did. But uh, yes, it turns out I was right on that, but not the way I thought. Y- you said, said he, he was, was going to go into horror movies. I did say that, and I was wrong. Um. 
Number 15, Thunder Rosa wins an AEW title. We both said yes to this. Low-key, another story that is an honorable mention story of the year is Thunder Rosa sort of being on the outs in AEW. That's true. That's true. We're going we're gonna to talk about that later. Number number 16, Paige Van Zant makes her pro wrestling debut. We both said yes to this. It did happen. It was underwhelming. Yes. Hope like I do hope she has a wrestling future, but that's a that's a bit of a sour taste to start with. Mm-hmm. That whole feud. Ugh. Number seventeen, an up and coming wrestler wins the Royal Rumble. We both said no. You even then said that Brock won was going to win the Rumble, which he did. <laughs> Here's one for you. Eighteen. A star wrestler goes from AEW to WWE. We both said no. The biggest star went over. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He had a great year. He did. He did have an excellent year. And looking forward to seeing more of Cody Rhodes in 2023. My goodness. Number 19. Johnny Gargano debuts for AEW. You said no and called his return to WWE. I said he was coming, and I was wrong about that. Uh, Johnny Gargano did, in fact, return to WWE. He did. Number 20, Braun Strowman wrestles a match. We both said yes. We were both right about this. And he's back in the dub as well, which... Honestly, it's where he belongs. It, yeah, absolutely. You, you. However, though, man, were you ever hoping for a, a New Japan crossover with? Braun it would have been cool. I still been, yeah. stand. I still stand by the fact that Braun Strowman as Gaijin heel would have been a great idea. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Number twenty-one, the happiest I am. Hulk Hogan WWE appearance. We both said this would happen. It didn't. Blessed be to 2022. Yes. <laughs> um, in total, you had 12 of these right, and I had 11. What was the one that you were the proudest of, and what was the one that you like were the most disappointed in yourself? Um, proudest. That's hard. I'll say, I'll say for me, um, 24-7 retirement, I think that's the one I was like the most excited to have called and there was but for me there was rumor of a trios title for a long time into 2021 why i didn't think that was going to happen i do not understand it's it's a good it's interesting um i think for me the proudest one i probably have is simply put calling the rumble a month in advance Mm. knowing full well that this was probably going to happen and for whatever reason, had nothing to it, it did not have any inclusion in my picks for the Rumble Pool. By then, he won won the title too. He was having a match yes. on that night. Yes, because remember when he when we made those predictions, he was not the champion. He was not. What a wild year twenty twenty two was. <laughs> oh boy, I got to exercise right. this demon, Kyle. Okay, so we will move on. Well, let's exercise it by talking about the worst that wrestling had to offer in twenty twenty two. Um, Ryland, is there anything you want to say in advance of going through these lists or this list? This was rather difficult, although I did peek back into WWE at periods in this time uh, or sorry, in this year. So I did get a little bit of uh, help in that aspect. I just had to be reminded, I suppose. Yes. Like I, I spent a lot of time researching these lists 
and going through the matches that happened this year, watching other people do their best and worst of, and remembering um, moments that I had completely erased from my mind. Because mm. it, it, the year, again, every year in, in our 30s feels like it takes forever or it goes by really quickly. And There's no in between. The pandemic too. Like, yes. It's hard to tell what this affects because it's still, you know, it's still going on. I'm still, you know, working from home and the days kind of bleed together a lot. Of the time. I'm still getting COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say this. This was, the, I mean, it was a hard year, but the think the thing for me for the worst list was that this is not a reflection on talent for the most part. Right. It's just some expectations that did not get there. I'm just looking at some of these people on my list, and it's just, I feel a great and heavy disappointment with a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And I hope that next year is a, a correction and a step in the right direction for some of these acts, because it hurts. I don't like including some of these people on my list, and I don't, I like the idea of, um, you know, I want, I want both WWE and AEW to excel. I, and the thing is, I did go back and watch um, some matches that I had missed in the WWE year that I wanted to give a fair shake to, um, to whether or not I was going to include them on my list. Admittedly, it didn't really affect my list a lot, but, you know, I was happy with what I saw from WWE this year. And, you know, even on some of the smaller shows, there was a lot of good to be had. It's just... Uh, you know, there were some acts who you're just a little bit disappointed with and you want better and you've seen better, you know? Yep, I agree. So we will start with the most disappointing women's wrestler. Rylan, last year you had Becky Lynch uh, and I had Alexa Bliss. I will say, the good thing I will say about those two is I do think 2022 was a much better year for both, particularly Becky Lynch. Yep. So, uh, who do you have for your 2022 list for most disappointing women's wrestler? Thunder Rosa. Mm. So, Thunder Rosa is my my most disappointing based on the fact that uh, she won the title. Uh, she proceeded to continue to defend the title over the summer. Uh, she dropped it quickly, or not long before, what was it, All Out? Yeah. Due to what was reported as injury. Um, and now... And they had crowned an interim champion. Now the interim title has been lifted from that. Both champions who have held the title since her have both been credited as actual champions, which I think is the proper thing to do. I agree. I, um, she's on the outs with the company right now. But the reason I feel like she's the most disappointing is because going into last year, she was one of the... Biggest stars, uh, female-wise, from AEW, and I feel like her star has fallen quite a bit. And while we don't have answers as to why or what the situation really is, there were a lot of expectations, I think, that she was going to have this great title run, and I don't look at it like a great title run, especially for who we've had as women's champion in AEW. Like, we've had Britt Baker, who had... A great title run. We've yeah. had Hikaru Shida, who had a great title run. Yes. Uh, Nyla Rose had a, a you know, I, I don't know if I would say great, but good title run. 100%. Same with Riho. Like, they, 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 everyone's had, but Thunder Rosa, it never quite seemed to... And even Tony Storm, when she took that interim title, yes. was it an amazing title run? Maybe not, but she was having banger matches yes. week after week. Yes, and, and again, I would put it above Thunder Rosa's run. 100%. 
I agree with you 100%. So, and again, no shade on Thunder Rosa. One of my favorite female wrestlers in the world right now. Somebody who, like, gets me excited about women's wrestling. But this year, for whatever reason, the, the star had fallen and it hasn't quite landed back where I feel like she deserves to be. So, unfortunately, she's got to hold the title of most disappointing for 2022. I'm in a similar boat where it's somebody who I was really high on coming into the year, and then it started promising and faded really quickly. My most disappointing women's wrestler is Liv Morgan. Wow. And this one hurts me. This one was, this was close for me as well. Because she won money in the bank, and then they did the WWE thing where she cashed it in the night, the same night. And I feel like that was the beginning of the downslide. That cash in moment was a high point. And then it led to that feud with Ronda Rousey that was never going to end in any other way than Ronda Rousey taking that title back. Sure. She, but she I think unconvincing... I, I, do, I do think the win over Ronda was a huge moment. I agree with you. But and, then. But they I didn't think, follow up at all. I think the, the thing they should have done at that point was they should have given some reason that Ronda wasn't going to come back after the title, and they should have given Liv Morgan a chance to work with somebody else, perhaps somebody a bit more experienced in the ring, because, again, the big thing about Ronda Rousey, and I think Liv Morgan to the same degree, because we were talking about how great her matches were against Becky Lynch, when they're in there with somebody more experienced, they do a much, much better job. The yeah. matches are a lot a lot smoother, which you'd come to expect. But if you're asking either one of them to be the ring general of a match, it's going to be a lot trickier. They both bring a lot of fire to their matches. They both have impressive movesets in different ways. Liv Morgan being a bit more of an energy, a bit more of a flyer. And Ronda Rousey, of course, with her, her judo background, being a very impressive technician. But it doesn't the big thing is that a wrestling match is made by um, the people who are able to go in there and really craft that match. And in that way, it just didn't quite work. Mm -hmm. And then Liv Morgan just kind of disappeared. She was still sort of there, but it felt like that was uh, an opportunity that at least she got the title, but it feels very similar to me as Nikki A.S.H. Is you gave her the title and then you didn't know what to do with it. And you gave up on it really quickly, and then it's just back to the drawing board. Agreed. Agreed. We'll move on to the men's wrestler. Last year you had Bray Wyatt, and I had Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, this was uh, less of a come up this year for those two. Uh, although Bray Wyatt returning, I think, is promising. Nakamura has been having. Uh, hey man, he's about to he's about to have what a great mood his last matches. So that's true. I will say this: like I'm excited to see what happens in 2023 if that's going to be an option for him. But who is your most disappointing wrestler, men's wrestler, Alan? Austin Theory, uh, mm, a guy who uh, he had all the and you know what he had all the backing of all the right people at the time. He had Vince. On TV with him every single week. And while it was terrible to watch these segments, it was truly terrible. That's the guy you want in your corner at the time. And I, I don't mean that in a like, let, let's be honest, like whether we're talking like he has been a disgraced um, executive in the last year. Right. So we do. And we've have never really put him in a high regard in, as for a person. But when it comes to who you want behind you. And in your wrestling career in 2022, before he's 
left uh, left office, Vince McMahon's the perfect guy to have in your corner. Because he's going to give you all the opportunity, and this guy has had all the opportunity. His wrestling's good. I'm not going to say anything bad about his wrestling. I've seen this guy live. Uh, I enjoy what he does in the ring. He's not boring to me. He's still... But it, 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 it depends on who he's in there with. Like, I saw him wrestle a house show match with Dolph Ziggler. Guess what? That match was fantastic. Yeah. His matches with Seth Rollins. Fantastic. He just cut a great promo against Seth Rollins, calling Seth Rollins the least memorable person from The Shield, which I think is a great dig, considering that Roman is who he is and Moxley is who he is. Yes. Um, But that was the end of the year. And after Vince left, this guy had the money in the bank. And I mean, I... I while I'm sel- I, I'm seldom to disagree with uh, a lot of the things that I don't know if that makes any sense, but I seldom disagree with any with a lot of the decisions Triple H makes booking wise. This is a guy who was already in the position to be moved forward and to have him lose the money in the bank match. It was unnecessary for the U.S. title. Yeah, I know. I know. It, here's and- the thing about it. If you had had him lose to Roman Reigns, at least he challenged Roman Reigns. If Roman Reigns had put him in for 15 minutes, at least you would have said, well, you know what? He lost money in the bank, and it always sucks to lose money in the bank, but he lost to Roman Reigns in an interesting match. Right. To have it be for the U.S. title and still lose? Oh, that hurts. Yeah. This guy was... And he is a good talent. Yes. He's a guy who has figured out a character that works heel-wise. He he is young enough where you have plenty of time to, whether if you want to make changes to the character, if you want to add things to this character, he is in the perfect position to be a star. And this was the year to make him a star. And I still think there's time. Don't get me wrong. I'm still hoping for that match at WrestleMania with John Cena. I think that that's the, the way to do it is to have him get that win over John Cena, and I think that that would be the perfect thing for this guy. But right now, as it sits, he his star, again, has fallen, and it fell really hard, and it really affected how people perceive this guy. So Austin Theory is my, my uh, most disappointing of the year. It's a good choice. I have a, another one who I'm similarly high on, and also, I will say this, is similarly surprisingly young for how much wrestling experience this person has had and how much how much long this person's been in the industry for. Did you know that Andrade is 33? I did not. I did not know that. Like, he has been La Sombra, he has had the run that he had in NXT, and he's been on AEW for two years, and he's only 33 years old. I've seen this guy wrestle in the G1. <sighs> this was a hard year to be a fan of Andrade. It was. The the most notable thing he did this year was participate, um, was you know, the st- his involvement with Ric Flair um, earlier in the year. Like it makes sense though. I mean, like you you will always support your family no matter what, and no matter who your family is, you you. you I mean, dependent upon the situation, sure. But like, yes, it was hard to see him in that le- that that whole match was hard to watch. Yeah. But the spots with Jay Lethal and Andrade were easily the best parts of that match. Oh, 100%. I'm sure. I, like, I, I hadn't seen the match, but, like, 
but what I've seen again, there were moments that were good. He had he was participating in the trios tournament. They had Dragon Lee in AEW, which was really cool. That didn't last. The stuff with Rouge and Jose the assistant taking over the Matt Hardy family. It was just a lot of ideas that just didn't pan out into anything. And then they just didn't have him do that many matches. And then there was stuff he had planned and it didn't go through. You know, mm-hmm. it fe- it felt like. He felt like the most re- truly forgotten person in that company this, this past year. And then when they had ideas for him, they just didn't follow through with anything. I wonder if he is going to be a person who might make a return to WWE. And honestly, even as a fan of him and AEW, I might encourage that. But I miss seeing Andrade being Andrade. And I hope he gets the opportunity to do that again, because this guy is like naturally charismatic. He is great, truly great in the ring, especially when he has a great dance partner. And there's no shortage of them in either company. Mm-hmm. But there was a and, magic. And they, not, to, not to cut you off, but it also gives Selena Vega something to do again. There was a magic that he and Zelina had in NXT that has been lost since. And is and is very sad because both of them are there and available. And I hope that that's something that can re, can happen again because they both deserve better than where they're at right now. Uh, Andrade is my choice for most disappointing. Wow. I know that one hurts for you. It does. He's I'm a huge fan of him. He's so talented. And again, he's still really young. We've, we're talking about a guy who has several years of great wrestling left in him. He is not pulling off 33 very well, though. My God, he looks at least a 37. I, I do. Again, no, that's, I do the, that's the city miles of being a wrestler, though. Uh, that's unfortunate. But again, I do think we still have some great Andrade matches in our future. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. I wonder where they are. Um, We're moving on to worst commentary team. Last year, you had Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown. And I had uh, the combination of Smith, Graves, and Saxton. Um, I would normally let you go first, but I'm just going to say this very briefly. I had the same team again for the matches I watched. And it wasn't that they were bad. Because you know what? To be honest with you, we're at a point in wrestling where there's not really a lot of bad commentary teams out there. You're right. You're right. You have a you have an eternal hatred for Corey Graves, and I totally understand that. Um, yeah. But- and this thing, I will say this. It's not every match. With Corey Graves, that annoys right. me. And it's not every interaction between Graves and Saxton in particular that. Like, those two together in particular kind of great on me. Because Saxton's there playing, you know, dorky Saxton. And Corey Graves is there to, like, mouth off to him. And that's been the dynamic forever. And to me, it's just a bit stale. And it, it always sort of graded on me. I've always... I've never been a huge fan of Corey Graves, and I feel like the world has caught up to me, as opposed to me catching up to the <laughs> oh, world. We've, which we've been normally. there, Kyle, but we've almost forgotten him at this point. We've tuned him out. But yeah, like this is not this is not to say that they were terrible this year. They were fine. I just think fine in the world that we're in for wrestling commentary, fine just isn't um, high enough for me. Agreed. Who have you got? Booker T, Vic Joseph, NXT. Ah, the return of the Booker T. Booker T sucks on commentary. A few weeks ago, 
Uh, we had What's a. a sh- it's a shame because he's a good promo as a wrestler. Yes, he's so I feel like he'd be good. a great manager. He would. He would. It's it's his justification for some of the stuff that is seen on screen is always pretty terrible. I feel like he always overdoes it. Like there was a scene where Roxanne Perez had won the they, they their last pay per view. They had like an Iron Survivor. Uh, gimmick that they were mm. doing with the men and the women. But, uh, I, I, I want to go out and say, tremendous show. I thought both matches went over really well. I'm, I think we're going to see the Iron Survivor match come back and definitely make a, look, uh, a run on the main roster. It's a way better way of doing an Iron Man match. Throw two more people in there. Makes it way more fun. Mm. Throw a penalty box in there. Let's get crazy. Fuck it. Shawn Michaels is off his rocker. Let's go. Um... But Roxanne Perez wins this match, and I guess she was a student of Booker T. And at one point, he starts to cry. Now, people have said that it was real; there were real tears. I don't believe for a second that those were real tears. And him taking time off to pretend to cry while on camera—it just—it was so fuck. And you know what? Vic Joseph is so good. I like Vic Joseph, but with Ooh. Booker T, it's not good. And this was a, this is a commentary team that I feel like is is a really necessary to be as good as possible team because or it needs to be as necessary to be as good as possible because he this is a team that is hyping the future. Yes. And I feel like it is absolutely necessary to take it as seriously as possible and I don't feel like Booker T was crapping all over the New Day winning the NXT titles. Oh, they're just coming out of nowhere and taking away these guys' spots. They're taking away all the spots of the young guys. And I'm like, (sighs) shut up. Because I don't believe that you don't like the New Day because everyone likes the New Day. Yeah. Like, so I'm sorry, but it's ridiculous. And also the New Day winning the NXT tag team titles only solidified them as one of the greatest teams of all time. So there. And all we need now is Prince Pretty to lead Pretty Deadly at their next pay-per-view, and we've got Xavier and him having that NXT stare-down. That's, that's, that's what I want. Like, I want them to have a singles match for, like, 20 minutes to close down an, an, uh, an episode of NXT one. I agree. Um, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I could not agree with you more. Like, I was surprised when I found out, because I like, I mean... It was an unfortunate situation when when they had to call up Wade Barrett because it was Wade Barrett was a good uh, hand to have in NXT I think right and I think it was a good fit and him on SmackDown has been fine yeah but I do think I do think him and Vic Joseph had a good thing going in NXT but it was baffling to me that Booker T was the choice yeah I'm I'm with you on that I'm with you on that especially under a Triple H regime yeah. like where's Morrow where's Morrow oh I miss Morrow. Um, but we'll, uh, so that's, that's what we have for commentary. Um, let's move on to worst feud. Last year you had Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon, and I had Cody versus the world, the world including QT Marshall, Andrade, Malachi Black. Um, just, man, rivalries that just brought every, everything down a little bit. Um, what was your worst feud of 2022? Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Ooh, why interesting. did why did we need it again? Why did we need it not only again but then again again? It happened at SummerSlam too, Kyle. 
I thought their match with at SummerSlam was fine. It was it was silly, which I feel like those two. I feel like silly was the direction that might have they might have needed to go. To. And you know what? But, I, I I am gonna say I. There's a lot on this list that I'm going to crap on Brock Lesnar for, but I feel like Brock Lesnar in 2022 reinvented himself. I agree. He he made himself a very awesome baby face that you could really get behind. And she, so much fun to watch. I love Brock Lesnar in a cowboy hat coming out and taking selfies after he F5s Austin Theory. I love Brock Lesnar coming out and challenging Bobby Lashley. That's the guy I want to see. But like Brock Lesnar with like a, with like the forklift and everything like oh, that was kind of hilarious. Yes, yes. But again, it, it just this feud that never ends. It's been going since what 2016. Mm, I agree with you. I, I just I didn't need it at all this year, and it brought down a great WrestleMania, which is what, what like night one ended with Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back and having a good match, mm-hmm. and and night yeah. two did not need to end with Brock and Roman, and it just felt so deflating after a great show. Yeah, it did. And I, I worried what going in that that was what was going to happen. That is what exactly what happened. It's an interesting. That's a good choice. I, I do think they figured it out at a certain point. But I will say this: if they have another rivalry anytime soon, nope. Mm-mm. Oh, just no interest. Um, my worst feud of the year was Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill. Ooh, I that's a good choice. Think, I didn't think there was anything that could bring either of these women down, and boy, this feud. It turns just, out it was each other. It just didn't work, and it's it's a shame because it should have. Admittedly, it was a weird feud to begin with because it was heel heel. That was always going to be a problem with it to start. Yeah, I feel like they wanted Jade Cargill to both be a face and a heel at the same time, and that was a mistake. It's like, oh, Jade Cargill beats up faces and heels. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but she's still like, and she's great at being a heel. And I feel like the Jade Cargill character really got elevated right up until that start of that feud, and then it just kind of sat there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's. I feel like she had better matches in 2021. I feel like there were better feuds in 2021. I feel like the build up was interesting, and I'm not. I'm not off the Jade Car- uh, Cargill wagon yet. I don't think that. I, I'm still very high on her, and I will always be a huge fan of Nyla Rose. I think she does excellent work, and I think she is miscast. Yes. Um, in a lot of, in a lot of situations. And this just, it just didn't really work. And I do hope that in 2023, we find something better to do for both of these women, because they both deserve much better. I have predictions, so, um, but yeah, I know I I agree. That was it was a feud that dragged on for a long time and while they do have long periods of time be- between their pay-per-views, it just by the time that pay-per-view match came and went, it was just like, "Oh god, thank god that's over." And that shouldn't be the feeling. You know what? Jade Cargill's a, a performer who should have made my best list this yes. year for something, but she didn't. No. And 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 she and 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 I I am disappointed by that. She didn't make my worst list. Don't get me wrong. Yes, but I agree with you. That's about where I had her too. Was she wasn't she didn't make my worst list, but I was expecting much bigger things than what we got this year. Absolutely. And part of it is it was just like baffling decisions, like um, having her have the match with Athena be less than five minutes. 
Like that was the best person she worked with this year, I think, in terms of experience, in terms of in-ring talent, and they just put it on a pay-per-view with 15 freaking matches. Yeah, that was Tony Khan's biggest sin this year was the 15-match pay-per-view. Mm, yes, that it, I will say. Uh, I can't. This is the first time it's honorable mentioning. Uh, we'll get to that later, but um, we'll get to the next category: worst tag team. If you want to get to real 2021 stuff, last year you said Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly, and I said Styles and Omos. Boy, does that feel like an eternity ago. It does. Yep, it does. Who do you have this year? Maximum Male Models. This oh, group, interesting. This group was doomed from the beginning. You change LA, uh, you, you, you bring up LA Knight, and you, you give him this group. And uh, what you did, they changed his name to Max Dupree, didn't they? Yes, he was Max Dupree, and then it was uh, Massey and Mansoir. This was the worst thing you could have done with Mansoor because he was such a great uh, white meat baby face. Mm. Just the perfect kind of like one, two, three kid type character that you could have used in such a positive way, and you turned him into a male model that was reminiscent of a movie called Zoolander that came out 20 fucking years ago. Yes. And and again, and and and, and Mace or Massey. This is a character that this poor guy has done commentary. He's six seven. Yeah. <laughs> What is so hard? He's six seven and jacked. I don't understand how it's so hard to book this guy. He has been in retribution and maximum male models, and and he's been unfortunately uh, f five through a table because he was a raw commentator at one point. Don't forget. Yeah, man. But no, this group, uh, this group did not even slightly like Los Lotharios, which has done nothing this year was higher up on the totem pole for me than these guys were. And mm. as soon as they, it could, they fizzled out. Triple H took over, changed LA Knight to LA Knight again. And where have these guys been? Nowhere. Yeah. There's not even I, a 24-7 division for these guys to hang out in anymore. These guys no. are the catering guys now. I do think, again, there is something to low-key main event had some bangers this year. And I do think there's something to people being, you know, being part of the undercard and doing that. I do think there's there's an honor to that, certainly. But it is it's tricky when you see people like Mansoor, for example. You just see bigger things for him. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder for both of them. I feel like an NXT reinvention would not be a bad thing. No. What about you, uh, though? Uh, oh, yes. My worst tag team. This was an easy one for me. And they actually had some good matches this year. But it's the Hardy Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, was this a disappointing year. Yeah. Because they, they brought them back. They got the music. They did the whole presentation thing. And, you know, I'll take I'll put aside the Jeff Hardy stuff because I do think. Including that is, a, there's an element of unfairness to it, but even before that, everything just felt a little bit off. And I feel like, I mean, there was the, the shoe debacle at the match that they had with the Young Bucks. There was a, the triple threat, which was pretty good, but it just, like, again, and then they were supposed to win it, and then it just didn't. There was just, everything just was kind of off. And I don't know if there's been anyone more cursed 
since his AEW uh, debut than Matt Hardy. Yeah, truly, truly, like, this guy has never been able to get get moving. They get they they have put a lot of stuff, and it's and you know what the thing I say he's cursed because it's not really been on Matt Hardy. He's doing what he can. They gave him the money Matt thing, which was a lot. I have n- I have no problem with money Matt. I have the fact I have a problem with the fact that it was just poorly done in AEW because yes. it was properly done in, in TNA. Yes, I agree with you. And then there was, but the, but I think they gave him just okay. Let's just give him all the tag teams. Like, how is that going to be a strategy? It just gets to be too much, right? And then he has Jeff come back, and they get everything right about that, and then. It just doesn't quite happen. We had all these dream matches for these tag matches, and I'm excited for Jeff Hardy coming back. Even now, like I think there's still some at least decent matches left in them. I hope they're not ladder matches at this point. I kind of don't want to see Jeff Hardy jump off crazy stuff anymore. But I think there's still something here. If, you know, Jeff Jarrett and Sting can still be ha- having matches in 2022... And beyond, I feel like there's a place for the Hardy Boys. It just and they wrestled singles matches. Don't forget they were in that tournament for uh, Jeff Hardy was in the Owen Hart tournament. Right. He won a match. He might have been the only guy in that tournament to have ever hung out with Owen Hart. Yeah, but it's and that's the thing about it is it's there's something to there's something to Jeff Hardy in the future and Matt Hardy. And I do think there's a way to present them. And I do, if 2023, like, we've thrown everything at the wall and it hasn't worked, let's go back to broken, man. Yeah, let's break them. Let's break yes, them. Yes, absolutely. We're, we've got, we've had enough time away. I think we're ready to, to go back to that. If that doesn't work, I'm not sure what's going to. So, uh, yeah, the Hardy Boys is a hard inclusion for me, but it was there. Uh, we're going to get to worst wrestling moment. Last year, I had the exploding barbed wire uh, at the Revolution. You had that in addition to the WWE releases and the dismantling of NXT 1.0. What is your worst wrestling moment of 2022? Well, Kyle, uh, something great happened this year. Uh, Matt Cardona went on this great, amazing indie run. And in that time, he picked up the GCW World Heavyweight title as well as the NWA World title. Uh, The NWA World title is a title that we hold in great regard uh, because of the fact that it has as much lineage as it does. Guys like Dusty Mm. Rhodes, uh, Ric Flair, these these big, solid sting. Um, It's 10 pounds of gold. Exactly. Exactly. Tyrus. Tyrus won this title. 49-year-old... This is a good choice. Tyrus won this title in a match against Trevor Murdoch and Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona was right there. He was right there. You could have put that title on him twice this year. And let's be honest, he's over. Tyrus is not over. Tyrus is not good in the ring. Matt Cardona is good in the ring. Tyrus is not someone that people are interested in. Matt Cardona gets fucking tweets left, right, and center, including for me the other day. Like, I sent Matt Cardona such a good tweet, Road Dog liked it. Like, this was the stupidest thing that Billy... Co- I, I Listen, look at this, Kyle. I have a Smashing Pumpkins tattoo, okay? I love that band. Billy Corgan is not a good wrestling promoter at this point. You're letting... NWA has had so many good ideas, and they have just all the goodwill 
they keep throwing it away, and mm-hmm. I don't understand it. This time last year on this show, you were saying how good of a women's pay-per-view they had. And they did. Yeah. And they have brought us stars like Ricky Starks and Nick Aldis. Uh, they had stuff done with Cody Rhodes as well. Like this, this is the, the, the this is a institution. And don't get me wrong, their program, I enjoy the aesthetic of it. I, agree. I love the studio wrestling look of it. I agree. And I it, liked it since the beginning. Yes. But this is not how you use this. This is not how you do this. It just feels, it feels dated. Yes. In a way that NWA, which intentionally was a throwback, never felt dated like this. Even with Jim Cornette, it didn't feel dated the way it does now. No. That's that's a shame. It really is. So Tyrus winning the NWA World Heavyweight title was my worst wrestling moment of the year. And that's got some heavy competition. I kept trying to find something else to put in here aside from Brawl Out. And I kept not being able to put anything in here except for Brawl Out. <sighs> this was hard. And it's sensing that as not a, as not a big fan of CM Punk, it's hard to see... This type of stuff be the reason for good storylines ending. It's hard to see personal drama and interpersonal relationships get in the way of, uh, of in this industry. And it happens too often and it's a shame. And I do hope that everyone who's involved in this in the future, that we get to see them wrestle again, get to see them carry on their careers and we don't have to deal with this nonsense and we don't have to have a back backstage that is divided between the punk guys and the the um the cabana guys like or you know get, get people like hangman page caught up in this nonsense mm-hmm. who i like i guarantee you had nothing to do with any of this it just feels like all the people on the periphery got caught up in some nonsense happening backstage. And I do, I can talk about any number of the wrestlers and any of the people involved. Tony Khan has to prove that he has better control of what he is doing and what he is running. Otherwise, it's going to go sideways really quickly. And I think the biggest thing that Tony Khan needs to realize is he can't do everything himself. Right. I think the big thing that I hope 2023 brings is stronger people to be in charge of things in AEW. And particularly, if he's thinking he can run Ring of Honor too, he's, he can't. No, he needs, he needs a bigger team. Get somebody in charge of Ring of Honor. Bring in a person, a singular person. Um, it's a shame because, uh, on our, our year-end show with Nate Milton, he had suggested that Cody Rhodes was still there. He would have been a perfect person to put in charge of ROH. And I could not agree with him more. And you don't have access to that anymore. And sadly, you don't have access to the second best person who might have been William Regal. So, now you gotta go back to the drawing board. But there are lots of competent wrestling people in that locker room. There are lots of people with a lot of experience and history in this business in that locker room. And there are a lot of people who are looking for jobs right now who have that same experience and history. Mm -hmm. Put a team together. 
don't do everything yourself, and be in charge of making the final decisions instead of every minute detail. If you can't put a team together that you can trust to make good wrestling decisions, you're going to burn yourself out. And I feel like arguably he's done that already. Yes. There's been periods of time during this year where AEW TV could have been better. I agree. And it starts to, it's starting to feel like, okay, just find a direction. And I feel like the, the big thing is that there's just not enough time. And part of that is there's not enough time on TV. But part of that is there's just not enough of your time to be able to do all of this. Right. And you don't need to. You can be involved. You can be the direction. But to be everything, uh, like the Vince McMahon model just doesn't really work. It worked for him because he was able to dedicate that much time. And, and he that did. Was just and he did. And, and, and like, if you look at Vince on, um, on shows like, uh, like the tonight show and anytime he's ever like done shows like that, he can't talk about anything but wrestling because that's what he did with his life. Yeah. He, he didn't he, he, he when you hear about Vince going to concerts and stuff like that, it's all the most generic bands in the world that he used wrestling wise. Yeah, you're there's more to life than this. And you know, who Vince, McMahon, I feel Vince McMahon's favorite band is ACDC. Don't get me wrong. I love ACDC. But if yeah. you've got the most generic rock band of all time, that's ACDC. Hmm. But yeah, it just it felt it feels to me like we're starting to get to a point where you're asking too much, and this was the big turning point of like, okay, you gotta have you gotta get something together because this can't be allowed to carry on. Right. Uh, brawl out, my worst wrestling moment. Um, it's time to move on to theme music. Last year, you had the NXT theme music of Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, and I had the Hardy family. Uh, music. We had to change it this year because no, none of those are available. Who have you got this year? Happy Corbin. Whew. Listen, it, it's just it's generic WWE crap. It's it's arguably just like the whole character was dumb. He he fell on hard times and then he went to Vegas one night, hit it big, and now he's happy. And they changed his name to Happy. They gave him a a guy named Madcap Moss as like a a dad joke prankster. And this led him through, you know, most of the year. Yeah. Up until they recently. They tried to build that feud. And, yeah, they tried. But, unfortunately, when uh, they, they turned Madcap Moss on him, everyone realized that we don't care about Madcap Moss. Yeah. Because they've given us no reason to care. Baron Corbin beat him up? Oh, well, he must be no good then. Here's, here's what hurt me about him this year. And he, he, like, he was a very close consideration for a lot of things for me this year drew mcintyre kicked out of the end of days and it didn't feel like a big deal right that hurts that really hurts this is the most protected finisher in wwe and it just it didn't feel like a big deal and it's drew mcintyre who's one of the bigger stars especially at the time right it just it's one of those things that the direction with him has been really a shame what about you? So I went back this year um, because there were a number of matches on shows that I did not watch that I wanted to put into consideration for my best and worst list. And one of those um, matches was Sheamus and Gunther, uh, uh, the Intercontinental Championship match at Clash of the Castle. It did not make my list. It was a very good match, don't get me wrong. But it did make me pay attention to something. Gunther! Gunther! 
sometimes you need to do some tinkering to make something work uh, when it's not quite working. There's little things that you can do around the edges to the presentation of a character or to, you know, different things that you can do to try to really capture the essence of a character and make it um, make it really pop for the audience. Right. Walter was the rare situation who, where he came to NXT an already finished product. And anything that you did to this character was going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. There didn't need to touch the presentation. Didn't need to touch the um, the music, the the name. Everything about it was already done. And I will give WWE credit. Imperium was a good idea. Mm-hmm. They found a way to capture the magic of Walter and spread it across more wrestlers. The four of those men looked imposing and impressive, and they marched to the ring, and it felt like Walter felt like such a final boss, and wrestled matches that we just had never seen before. And WWE just could not help themselves. And I feel like, I think they've gone back for, especially for, at least for Imperium, to um, his music, but, ugh. It's not even, I would say it's terrible music, but it feels so generic. And for a wrestler like Walter, that's just wrong. I, uh, uh, I agree. Prepare to fight. Uh, Gunther's theme is my worst theme music of the year. Yeah, I, I, uh, given that I've been paying attention to some of his main roster stuff, I, I could certainly agree with that one. So... We're going to do a new category this year. It's worst on the mic. We're also doing best on the mics as well. Uh, so your women's worst on the mic this year. Oh, oh. well, this one was rather difficult, um, but I agree. This was a hard one, but uh, there is one woman in particular that stuck out. Um, I don't I, I know you're not going to agree with me on this one. Oh, actually, no, you, you, you'll fully agree with me on this one. Uh it's a combination, actually, of Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose. You may agree with me on one half. I have I have Vicky Guerrero as mine as well. Wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, go go ahead and talk about this. I agree with you. I agree with you. This act just it, it's not working. It's not. Um, I thought that Nyla Rose was fine on her own. I didn't mind the idea in the beginning, but I do not feel like it's done anything for Nyla. I feel like it's, if anything, it's brought her down. And now it's, she's, it, the, the act is so campy that her stuff for me just doesn't hit like it used to. She mm. used to be a monster and now she's kind of like a goofball. Yeah. And, and, and I the thing just, is, I'm not here for it. I feel like it would work if she was a face. Maybe. Because she's an interesting, per- like she's a she's kind of a goofy, goofy personality. So her online. Twitter is very fun to follow. I'll give you that. Yes, she's an excellent follow, and she's very funny and entertaining. And that just doesn't it gets to there and it doesn't translate because I feel like we're not getting the we're not using Nyla to her full potential. I'll say this about Vicky Guerrero: she has been a lot of things in her wrestling career, and there's a lot of things you can say about Vicky Guerrero positively and negatively. But she's never been boring. No. I feel like that's the big thing about it for me right now is I've never been bored by Vicky Guerrero before. I think that's baffling. The big thing, Kyle, is that Vicky Guerrero was a character that we've seen like at this point, like seven, eight years ago. Mm. 
and 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 she's doing the same thing. Like there's nothing new. There's nothing evolved about this character. And I think that the reason it's boring is because we're over it. Yeah, I do think I do think they've just they've also toned it down in a way that like I understand, but at the same time, it feels muted. Fair enough. This character, I feel like with a different person. Because the thing about Vicky Guerrero is that she is supposed to be attention-grabbing. And I feel like with a more attention-grabbing personality as a wrestler that she could work with, I feel like that would go so much better. But this just doesn't work. And it's a shame, because I think... I can't believe I'm saying this. There's You could be getting more out of Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. And this honorable mention, I want to give an honorable mention to to Ronda Rousey mm. has been dreadful on the microphone. And if it would have been and if I would have watched more main roster WWE, I feel like she could have pulled ahead in this one. But uh, no, because I, I we predominantly follow AEW, um, this was more in my face. And mm. with that feud with Jade Cargill, it was it just every week and it was brutal to, to deal with. Um. All right, we'll move on to the worst on the mic for the men. Uh, this new category, and interestingly, I think we both have the same person. Yes, Riddle. Yeah, this guy sucks. Okay, uh, he, again, it's another thing with this character. Don't get me wrong; he had a great feud this year. Seth Rollins mm-hmm. and him had a great feud. Unfortunately, it was marred by th- uh, backstage things and personal life things that got in the way. But there were a few segments that were fire. The matches were always good. I saw one of them live. You know, the like, tag match was a re- was a fantastic match at WrestleMania. Yes, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But. He has never evolved on the microphone. He is stuck to this like shaggy character. Uh, shaggy meets Rob Van Dam. And we, it just like weed's legal in Canada. Yeah. And in most of the states. Yeah. We don't right? care anymore. We don't care. It there's no edge to this. No. No. And like, I don't want to be whatever. Like, again, my personal feelings about the man aside. Because that's a rabbit hole I do not feel like going down today. Not on the best and worst of show, no. my friend. He was an MMA fighter. Right? Yeah. How does this character edgeless? Because I think, well, I mean, if you ask Dana White about this guy, there was a, um, even less edge when he was there, too. Sure. But it's like he has a fantastic move set. He's had some truly incredible matches. He's got about seven finishers. Like... In terms of, like, sheer talent as a wrestler, there's a lot to work with here. And he's not, like, he's not a terrible speaker by any stretch of the imagination. It's just the aloof goof personality. It worked as a contrast with Randy Orton. But I think that part of that was just getting to see Randy Orton let loose more than it was Riddle, you know, benefiting anything. And it just feels like... Oh, I'm I'm so tired of this character, and it's a shame because I think there's there's more that can be had here. Okay, worst on the mic is out of the way. It's time to talk about a singular moment. Worst promo of the year last year. Ryland had Cody breaks kayfabe, and I had Alexa Bliss with a freaking doll. Um, Ryland, what was your worst promo of the year? 
Cody says goodbye. Uh, his very vague promo where he comes out a, a week before the ladder match with Sammy Guevara as TNT champion, and he gets all coy with the audience and goes, what do you want to talk about? And I just, I, it was more of the same shit. It, uh, I'd th- thankfully, once he got to WWE, uh, a few months later, he was hitting it on all cylinders, and it's unfortunate that he had the, you know, the second half to the year that he did. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't stand this promo. I, I just, this, this character in itself, the I'm dancing around being a heel, am I staying with AEW, am I leaving, what does Sean Ross uh, Sapp say? Who knows? Um... Yeah, it, it just it may, always made me cringe, and I always really disliked it. I, I'm, I, you know, it was not a particularly enjoyable promo, and especially in retrospect, it just looks a bit odder. Yeah, it does. So that was a good choice. It it was consideration. There was a few that were in consideration. There were a few promos this year that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I don't think there is going to be a promo that we have talked about in the history of this. That rubbed me the wrong way more than Vince McMahon showing up after those allegations and getting into the ring and reminding the audience the motto of WWE is them now forever together. It was tacky. It was tasteless. It spits in the face of the uh, the people who are making the allegations and it is a constant reminder that this is a man who does damage to other human beings and then callously brushes it off like the um, asshole that he is. And it is, again, a reminder that I just... There was a time where Vince McMahon could show up on the screen as a bad guy and we could sort of laugh all of this stuff off. And that time has passed and is long past. I don't care the circumstances, I don't care the whatever it is, we just don't need to see him ever again. And this was one of those moments where it was like, the days after an allegation, to make the decision to show up on a show, and instead of just being backstage like he had always been, to go out and address the audience, and to the, the people who are there applauding him, shame on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was... To me, that there, I there were other promos that rubbed me or that you know irked me in terms of a wrestling capacity. I have not heard anything more, you know, just callous and incorrect as Vince McMahon telling the audience that you know whatever happens, we gotta ride this out together. Uh, no, the fuck we don't. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Vince McMahon, them now together forever. That's my worst promo. Excellent I'll choice. T- I try not to curse too much on these on this. Like you the, have uh, been letting it fly for the hol- months I mean, now. The, the problem is that like this Vince McMahon stuff in particular really got to me. You know what's funny is you say that uh, you, you try not to curse too much, but last year I think you said fuck twice. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> again, this is the show that, like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to get to whatever, but like this, the other stuff on this list. This is that's wrestling stuff. This is even like it's Vince disgusting. is making another. Vince is making another appearance on this list. 
But that's for wrestling stuff. That's not this. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. This is the worst thing that Vince did uh, in terms of on-screen stuff this year. Um, worst pay-per-view. Both of you uh, said Survivor Series last year. It certainly wasn't the worst this year. No, it was um, not. Uh, I bet we have the same one, though. Three, two, one. The Royal, Royal Rumble. Sucked. There sucked. is. There are few shows in the wrestling calendar. There are a few television shows in the year that I am more excited for than a Royal Rumble. Because the Royal Rumble feels like the like it feels like the real kickoff to the wrestling year. It feels like the acceleration towards the stories that are going to be keeping us captivated for the next little while. And even as somebody who doesn't follow WWE that closely, it feels like the way to build up people that I've been bubbling under and I've been excited about for a while, but um, can you sort of push it over the edge again. I just want to pull up my Royal Rumble review this past year and talk about the thing about this Royal Rumble. I'll let you, you know, I'll let you go first while I pull this up, but the thing about this Royal Rumble was that it wasn't even that all the matches were bad. It's, I have never seen a show who was so dedicated to disappointing endings and disappointing finishes to things than this Royal Rumble. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, the Roman Seth match was fantastic. We had, we had a guy, uh, we had Jack London on our show to discuss the live experience. That was a lot of fun. But once we got to both Rumble matches, they were both boring. Mm-hmm. They were both boring, poorly booked. Shane McMahon's got to take a lot of the heat for the men's because apparently he booked it and centered it around himself. I, like, that's the report. Whether that's true or not, we'll never actually know. Um, there, there was always history with Vince and Shane and, and whatever. But regardless, um, the fact of the matter is Shane McMahon was one of the final three. That did happen. And Brock Lesnar ended up winning the men's. Ronda won the women's. It just, nothing got forwarded. We didn't have any new stars being built. We didn't have something exciting to look forward to at WrestleMania. It took basically until we had rumors that Cody was going to show up before anyone was like, okay. And we always had the Austin thing in the background, but let's be honest. We always thought, uh, is that going to suck? Thankfully, it was great. And we, we get to go off and, and hopefully we don't see any more of Austin because I don't want to see what that looks like part two. Yeah, I think that was the perfect ending. But overall, it was a pretty great WrestleMania with the exception of a few moments. And mm-hmm. Brock was one of those. And for me, anyway, I know that you, you liked Ronda and Charlotte better more than I did, but ugh, I did not like that match. So let's go through this card because it was it's just one of those shows man it was just one of those shows seth rollins and roman reigns was a great match up until the end and it finished on a dq and that was the end of the feud yep yep what yeah you had this great idea of seth rollins and even if it was i said this can't be over and then the Roman sucks chance started. Like, it really felt like this character who would really won people over. This match did not leave anybody with a good taste in their mouth. 
even though it was a again a great match, a great open. Seth Rollins showing up in the Shield gear to the Shield music, and coming out of the crowd, and it just felt like you know, yes, he's the heel, but oh, he got one over on Roman. Who like who gets one over on Roman? And then the, the match had an intensity from the start, and it was just, ugh. Um, the Women's Royal Rumble followed, and I, like. The booking for this was just sort of whatever. We got Mickey uh, James. That's what we got. We got yeah. Mickey James rocking the Impact title with the Impact thing on, or with the with the, the the Impact title name on the key while she was on her way down to the ring. Um, but what else could, did we get? Like it was just it was again. We got some great moments that were just immediately limp, immediately taken away from us. Sarah Logan returned. And reunited with Liv Morgan, and they were do- both dumped out. Were they dumped out by permit like wrestlers mainstays on the roster to add some heel heat? No, it was the Bellas. What? We had Ronda Rousey show up before thirty, which basically told us who was winning the match. So that didn't that made the rest of it did feel like it didn't matter. Um. We had a lot of people showing up for, like, moments, but that didn't really last very long. The like the only lasting memory I have of this rumble that's a positive is Sasha Banks doing the splits. Yeah. Um, but she was barely, she was barely in the rumble. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it felt like a lot of ideas that just led to some bad booking at the end. And then, you know, despite the fact that I did enjoy their match at Mania... Charlotte and Rousey should not have been the last two in this rumble because again it just I at this point I don't really care. Both of them didn't need a rumble win to get a, a match at WrestleMania, and this just felt like this rumble felt like there's a lot of people in this rumble who deserved better, and it was again burying young talents to put over novelty acts. And surprise, surprise. Then, again, I don't want to spend too long on this show, but Dewdrop and Becky Lynch was a wildly misbooked experience. <laughs> yep. Where we tried to make Dewdrop the face and Becky Lynch the heel, but without setting that, like, without making that dynamic actually stick. And it, didn't, it just didn't work. We didn't do the work to get Dewdrop to be a face. Talented wrestler. And the match was just sort of there. Like, they tried so hard, the crowd could not be bothered. And then Lashley and Lesnar made the winner of the match, let us we forget, was Bobby Lashley, feel like an afterthought because Roman Reigns came out and knocked out Lesnar. And then that sets up uh, the, the main event, which we talk about after... Lest we forget the Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix, which the best thing I can say about that match is it's something that Edge can check off his bucket list. Sure. That's the nicest thing I can say. And the men's rumble was just bad. Mm -hmm. Bad Bunny returned and it was kind of just fine. That was like Shane McMahon eliminated Kevin Owens. Yes. Yes, he did. I have that. Shane McMahon eliminated Kevin Owens. We had Big E there. He didn't get to win the Rumble when he should. Um, 
Otis was one of the last, you know, five people when it never felt like he was in this rumble at all. It was already an odd rumble to start with, and then it finished with Brock Lesnar just making everybody look like they were nothing. Including Drew McIntyre. Yep. Including uh, Randy Orton in his hometown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He eliminated... uh, Yeah. Bad Bunny was... um, the fifth last person to be eliminated. And Shane McMahon was the, the third last. In between that, between uh, Drew McIntyre was the last, Riddle was the second last. But again, Drew McIntyre doesn't make any sense because, one, Brock's a face. Why would you eliminate Drew McIntyre, who was a really over baby face, whose biggest claim to fame was eliminating Brock Lesnar at the Rumble? This rumble was terrible, and it was. But it was like. Well, it I, was think just, I think we're living in the time where we found a rumble worse than the one where Vince won. Yeah, I mean, the reality of this rumble is like the undercard was a mess, and it was just the type of bad booking decisions that I guess. Sometimes you come to expect from WWE. I just didn't expect that many bad ones in a row. Uh, yeah, that was that was um, my worst pay per view uh, of the year, and yours as well. Ugh. Talking about the Rumble, it does give me. Like, I'm, I do have hope for this new one, but yes, again, yes, I'm excited for for this year's. Although I'm excited every year. So the big thing it, about the Royal Rumble, though, is. We don't need Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar winning Royal Rumbles to get matches at WrestleMania. No. Let it be somebody who's... Like, let it be somebody in the company who's earned that shot. Like, that's the big thing is, you know, those are what that's what the Rumble's for. Anyway. The Rumble's for workhorses. Not Shane McMahon. Anyway. Women's worst women's match of the year. Last year, you had Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair at SummerSlam, and I had the tag team turmoil match at WrestleMania. Rylan, what do you have for worst women's match of the year? Rondi, uh, Ronda Rousey versus uh, Shotzi at uh, Survivor Series. This was. I have the same thing. This is terrible. This is terrible. And you know what? I love Shotzi, but she's not a ring general. No. She's not somebody you can put in there. And she's got a lot of, don't get me wrong, she's got a lot of experience, but I think the idea of this match is that Ronda's supposed to lead, and she's she's not a leader in this no. aspect. And all of her title matches, all of her programs have been down because of the fact that there's you're putting her against people who are underexperienced on this stage. And you yes. need somebody who can lead you like a Charlotte, like a Becky, like a Bailey, like a Sasha. Like an Oscar. Like, like an Oscar. That's right. Any of these combinations are fantastic, but you're not doing that. And no. and right now we're sitting in a position where Rhonda is having her, her second run with the company and it's a down run. And that's with her being champion for a majority of the time. This match didn't offend me. Hmm. In any huge, major way. It should have, Kyle. But it was emblematic. It it was my pick. 
I don't think there was any. I I had some honorable mentions in the women's side. Uh, Athena and um, uh, Athena and uh, Jade Cargo was an honorable mention again for different reasons. Liv uh, Morgan Jade, and Ronda Rousey was an honorable mention. Yes, I agree. Um, but that was the big thing for me. Is I look back at some of these other matches, but this one was just so disappointing. Shotzi got some moments in. There was uh, some crowd spots that were kind of cool. Yeah, the crowd, the cr- jumping into the crowd was great. The DDT was not. No, and it was just it felt like, and then it was just over. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing for me. Is it was just like it. It never felt like it. It, it felt like. It was, I think, like 10 or 11 minutes long or something like that, or, you know, over eight, whatever it was. It both simultaneously felt like it felt every minute of it, but at the same time, I couldn't pull anything back from it that I found, like, redeeming. It was just sort of there. It felt so boring. Right. And a runner as a match shouldn't be boring. No. And that's the problem, is that, like, again... Put Ronda in there with people who like can can bring out the best in her, and she can totally hold her own. Shotzi and her just didn't click, and it was so baffling to go from th- that after Liv Morgan. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you have so many other people like Shotzi and Charlotte would have been perfectly fine, you know, or Shotzi and Becky would have been perfectly fine. There's a lot of options that they could have gone with that would have worked and been, you know, interesting. This was not. Um, uh, we're going to go to worst men's match of the year. Last year, we both had The Miz versus Damian Priest at WrestleMania Backlash. You also had Randy Orton and The Fiend at WrestleMania. Rylan, what was your worst men's match of the year? Uh, yeah, honorable mention to Vince versus Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. I have a feeling that's that might, might be what we're talking about next. Yep. But um, Brock Lesnar versus Big E mm. at day one. Yep. Day one of 2022, we started on a bad note. We had Brock Lesnar defeat Big E very soundly. Big E, don't get me wrong, had some fire, a little bit. A little bit more than Kofi Kingston did a few years prior. But this ended with the decision that no, no one wanted. We don't want, we didn't want a double title match at WrestleMania. We didn't want Roman Reigns to hold both titles. We didn't want Brock Lesnar to ha- take the title off of Big E. Yeah. This guy never got the, the title run that he truly deserved. And, and sadly, we don't know if he's ever going to get that. Yeah. But. This was the most disappointing match I I saw in the entire year because, again, being somebody who is such a big New Day fan and such a big fan of Big E as an in-ring worker, as a performer, as an entertainer, a guy on the mic, everything that this guy is, to see him just get squashed by Brock, like, it's fucking bullshit. Yeah, I agree with you. It, uh, and also, honorable mention to... Um, the Brawling Brutes beating the New Day in a minute uh, at WrestleMania. Yes. After yes. Big E got hurt. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I While agree. they're wearing the Big E singlets. Ugh. Man, that one made me mad. But yeah, I could not agree with you more. It's, it's n- not my choice, though. Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee. 
The only reason I didn't choose this match is I didn't feel like it was a match. Yeah, I know, but it... The only part of this match match that was good was Austin Theory selling the stunner. Yes, but then Vince sold the had the worst stunner sell of his life, and that's saying something. Because he always sells it bad. (laughs) I can't believe like we got one more time that he had to sell it, and it was worse than any other. To the point where Austin couldn't help but laugh. Um, Pat McAfee had just won a match against Austin Theory, which was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, it was. It was great. Pat McAfee and, coming down to the ring at, with uh, Seven Nation Army. Yeah. Oh my, that's a moment that still to this day gives me chills. But Be- the, and the match was the match was pretty good. Austin, Austin Theory certainly held his own. Pat McAfee. Like, it wasn't amazing, but it was, you know. It, it, it was, was a celebrity match. Yes. That it was a perfectly fun match to have at WrestleMania. It, it was a bucket list item for Pat McAfee, and it was a cool thing. And I'm sure Pat McAfee thought this was entertaining, the idea that he would lose to Vince McMahon. But it just, it was so deflating. And it was so... <sighs> and to see Vince McMahon take off the shirt and do all that, I'm like, ugh. Like, on the one hand, you know, it's funny. But on the other hand, it was... I'll say this. Um, bless his heart. Um, this got Dave Meltzer a negative two star rating. It's the first negative star rated match in years that Meltzer has given. And I can't disagree with him. No. It, it, like, especially, and the thing about this was at first I thought they were joking that they weren't actually going to do this. And then it was like, are you serious? This show. For all the things I can say about WrestleMania, whether it was good or bad, I thought ultimately it was a pretty good show, but the biggest thing was it was a lot of fun. This wasn't fun. It was just bad. And again, I said all my I had to say about the, the personal stuff for Vince earlier, but this is just... It felt... I mean, maybe for the crowd, maybe they got a kick out of it. I did I don't not. think they did. <laughs> I yeah. do not think they did. And this, like, for everything that I thought um, Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn was going to be, it was it far exceeded that in terms of, you know, expectations versus reality. As soon as I saw them call for the bell, I knew exactly what this was going to be, and it lived up to all of my worst fears. Even if it was only a few minutes long, this segment felt like it took forever, and it counts as a match, so it was the worst one. That's fair. That's fair. The last. It's time, the last. Yeah, it's time for the worst wrestlers. Our worst women's wrestler. Uh, last year, you had Nikki A.S.H. and Alexa Bliss. I had Eva Marie. I feel like we're both going in the same place, so I'll let you start. Ronda Rousey. Yep. Listen. This, this hurts. It does, because she's such an amazing athlete. And I, I say, I'm not even a huge Ronda Rousey fan, and this just kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. Listen, again, as we've stated many times on this show and, and, and other shows, uh, and even when I've had uh, Mick Hawley on to do the WWE shows, we've always said, this is not the woman to lead. No. She's not the one who should be in charge of the match. And it seems like because she's champ and because she's the the the, the 
one who's had more time on the main roster, she's been put into this position, and it's just... <coughs> it's not what has been beneficial to her at all. This is a star, and you've yeah. wasted her all year. And this yeah. is even under Triple H, too. They have her out there wrestling, wrestle like main event match or like you know matches on main event. They have her out there doing you know, house shows and stuff like that. I just feel like Ronda Rousey. If we're gonna have her old titles, I get you know she wants she needs to be in there full time and stuff like that. I feel like this feels more star attraction than than you know it should feel more star attraction than this. We don't need her doing the day-to-day grind of whatever. Give her big signature matches against stars. Yeah, That's where we're going to get the best out of Ronda Rousey. No, I agree. And and not only that, she's already expressed in interviews that she kind of wants to drop the title and do a tag run with Shayna Baszler anyway. Which which I'd be fine with. Yeah. That's the thing we get out of 2023. And it makes the tag titles feel a lot bigger. Which, boy, they need to. Yeah, that sounds like a good use of Ronda Rousey's time. And it sounds like a good way to give Shayna Baszler an actual run that she deserves. And and a, a, a match to eventually lead to. Yes, I agree. But this is... This is disappointing. Yep. I feel like we're going to have feel, different men's, though. We are. We're certainly going to have different men's. I okay. Uh, last year, you had Reggie. Boy, he had an interesting 2022. Yeah. And I had The Fiend. Uh, Rylan, where are you going for men's uh, worst men's wrestler of the year? The Omos. We have very interesting. We both have very interesting picks. Uh, He was on my honorable mentions list. He had three matches with Bobby Lashley. All three were terrible. Bobby Lashley Mm -hmm. is a great worker. Bobby Lashley did everything he could. Yes. And he could not lift. He gave him MVP. He gave him MVP. And MVP couldn't lift the Omos. MVP is a good manager. Yeah. I I don't know. I, it just, you know, it just feels like it's an idea that seemed like an okay idea. But the thing that I always said about Omos was at some point he's going to have to bump. And he really couldn't. Yeah. He really just, couldn't. It just doesn't work. And, you know, that's to be, it's not surprising, but it is to be expected. Um, but, yeah, I at least said the one at WrestleMania was at least, like, it was novelty, at least. No, was that was the one. worst one. That was the worst one, Kyle. I watched all three, okay? That was the worst one of the bunch. But it was, it was not a good year for him. But here's what I'll say about this. At least he did, Bob. They were good. But I couldn't put I couldn't put him number one because at least he did it. And boy, I wanted to put Jeff Jarrett number one. He didn't wrestle enough matches for me to be that, you know, and he disregarding. And, and he, he did. And yes, and there are things about this. But Satnam Singh. Yes. Two giants. I'm done with this. Two I'm giants. Done with this. It's it's the exact same problem, except he hasn't act, like wrestled. Like I understand the idea behind this, but at a certain point, they need to actually do something. Right. And the problem is, like, you, because the idea was I thought they were going to give almost the, you know, some title opportunities and stuff like that, but ultimately, they're having him wrestle against Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley is the only person who has the combination of size, 
to make it impressive that the Omos is so much bigger. And the unique strength and skill to be able to drag not a good match, but a match out of the Omos. Uh, Who on earth is that person in AEW? Uh, He hasn't been found yet. That's going to get... And then... For everything I say about the Omos, I think Satnam seems worse. <laughs> yeah, I will agree with you on that. I I, I enjoy playing as the Omos in WWE 2K22. Mm-hmm. If Satnam Singh is in uh, Fight Forever, I don't know if I'm ever going to play as him. Yeah, it, it just feels like they keep telling us how big a deal he is. It's tell, don't show. At some point, that uh, doesn't work. Gotta show. Yeah. And... We're at the point with him where he's been in this company for over a year now. He's had matches. They're tag matches. Jay Lethal does all the work. Sanjay mm-hmm. Dutt is mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sanjay Dutt's not a wrestler anymore. Like, I mean, he obviously you know, he still is, but he's not being portrayed as one. Jeff Jarrett is doing matches. Saddam Singh's there. He ragdolls Darby Allen around, but Darby Allen, you know, is willing to, to do that. Do you want to see, like, Brian Danielson get ragdolled around like that? I don't. <laughs> I, there's nothing. The idea is sound. The execution makes the idea not work. At a certain point, there is a size at which the people wrestling would be detrimental to their health. Right. And this is it. I think for both of us, we're just basically saying, like... This giant thing's just not really working. Not with these guys, anyway. And the problem is, who's the person their size who could do more? That's right. It just, uh, like, the body's not meant to be that big. And there's problems that come with that. And, like, credit to Andre for having the career that he did. Because that is a testament to... But it was a different time. Yeah, but it's also a testament to an amount of willingness to put up with pain that a person really shouldn't. Right, right. And this is just, yeah, nobody's, and the problem is nobody's going to be impressed by somebody scoop slamming these guys. Bobby Lashley suplexed Domos, it was a cool moment. Didn't make the match good. No, it didn't. (laughs) It didn't do that thing that when Hogan barely got Andre up, um, and dropped him. Um, for it didn't do that for Bobby Lashley that uh, like it did for Hogan. No, and we're just we're not at that point anymore. No. Hey guys, it's Ryland from Wednesday Night Wallop, and I'm here to talk to you about Spear King. Our producer RJ is is uh, decided to branch himself out and offer his services to anyone who wants to uh, get any audio production done on their podcast. And I think this is a really great thing. Uh, obviously, he's done some fantastic stuff for Wednesday Night Wallop. All of our theme songs, all of our little segment themes, anything music-wise on our show, as well as anything audio production on our show, comes from RJ. And we can't thank this guy enough because he's done, like, God's work on our show. Uh, if you listen back to the first few episodes of our show, it's not very good. 
It's not. It, it, it doesn't sound great, but, you know, through time and through learning about producing podcasts, RJ has been able to provide the best sound quality for our podcast as possible. And I, like I said, I'm here to talk to you about Spear King, his company that he's decided to launch. If you've been with Wednesday Night Walt from the beginning, you could hear the production has improved tenfold. That's all thanks to RJ and Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout the podcast to editing the podcast. Uh, and it's an, uh, entirely due to Spear King Productions and what they've been able to put in to us. Um, they put a royal effort into the podcast, and we know for a fact that we would not be where we are today without his support. Man, you're really jerking yourself off in this, aren't you, RJ? Aren't you? You're jerking yourself off in this one. You deserve to. Jerk yourself off as much as you want to. Um, throughout the time that he's been with us, which has been from the, from the beginning... He has always, always provided us the best possible sound quality, and he's always provided us the best um, advice when it comes to how we're working our mics, how we're where we're sitting, with the room we're in. RJ has the ear for producing content, and he's done such a great job. So if you're interested in getting some of RJ's help, uh, you can find him at spear.king.co on Instagram uh, or at Spear King Music on it, TikTok. More music is coming soon. Uh, get excited. RJ's releasing some songs in the next while. I may be a part of some of them. Maybe. Stay tuned to find out. If it's not, I mean, we might have a falling out. We won't. I can guarantee you we won't. But no, uh, RJ has done great work for this show. I think you should follow him on all the social media. And if you need help with your podcast, please reach out to RJ Spear and reach out to Spear King. This guy can get you to that next level that you want to be at. So please, 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 please don't forget to reach out to RJ. And don't forget to reach out to Spear King if you're feeling like you need that next level. Okay, we have done the worst wrestling of 2022. I'm just glad to leave that part of wrestling in the past and talk about the best because let's, let's not let that worst list and some of those rants get us to beyond the point that this was a really good year for wrestling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not less so outside of the ring, but once we got in the ring, this year consistently delivered some solid stuff. I'll say this. The Royal Rumble, it's always it's really disappointing because it was the Royal Rumble. But for that show to have been the worst show when there was a lot of quality wrestling still on it is a testament to, you know, how enjoyable it continues to be to, to do some of these shows. The worst thing I could say about some of these AEW pay-per-views this year is that they were long. Mm-hmm. Which is a problem, by the way. Tony Khan. Five-hour shows. We can't keep doing that. No, but we, we, we're, tired, we're, starting, man. we're tired, We're tired. Yeah, we're starting to find a balance, though. But we're going to talk about the best. And let's start by uh, bigging up some people who really caught our attention this year. The uh, most improved women's. Um, boy, that was a, a disappointing thing for me to look at now. Uh, Rylan Lester, you said Red Velvet. I said Liv Morgan. I just had to put her as <laughs> um, most disappointing. 
But um, most improved women's wrestler uh, for and 2022. Mine, ha- mine, I feel like, has had very few matches on uh, television this year. Yeah, so. I, yeah I, it felt like it was a bit more of an afterthought. Again, this women's division needs more time on TV. And my pick is going to be very emblematic of needs more time on TV. Rylan, who do you have? Athena. Oh, yeah. So Athena had a bumpy start to her AEW run with the Jade Cargill match, like you said, but I feel like she's really become full circle and she's now the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, which I think is great. Um, She's been defending it solidly on Dark and on television for the last few weeks. This whole thing about her hitting too hard or whatever is ridiculous. Yes, but she curved it into a great storyline. That was the story going into her match with Mercedes Martinez at Final Battle, and it, and also their history with each other. So they really found a way to make that work. Yes, the the, the accusation was ridiculous, but both women refuted it. So yes, there's that too. Um, I feel like her winning the women's title was one of my favorite women's wrestling moments of the year, and that was just about a month ago. So. Like, it it was definitely one of those moments that I I stuck out, and I I couldn't think of any other woman that I thought I I would put above her in that category. I thought that she started bumpy, but ended strong. That's a good choice. There are a few people who make me more happy to see on my screen than Willow Nightingale. There you go. There you go. She had a phenomenal 2022. She has gone from being... Uh, a person who would get included in some multi-women matches. You really, you saw the potential there, but it never quite, it never felt like they were going to capitalize on it. She went and started getting some wins. She's had a great year on Dark. And then really culminating by the end of the year, and now she's at a point where she feels like a real legitimate star in this company. I agree. She feels like a person who could maybe challenge for a, a title in 2023. Maybe win a title in 2020. I'm always a, an advocate for strike while the iron is hot. Uh, for Willow Nightingale, she has an infectious energy. Her promo style is a lot of fun, and her wrestling is just very entertaining. She is, she's got a good combination of power and speed. Her move set is impressive, and she's just a joy to watch. Would be a great foil for Athena. 100%. Could not agree with you more. They were friends before too. So uh, there's there's some fun stuff you can do with that storyline wise, but yeah, Willow Nightingale. Um, if we, if the thing that we're gonna do with her is make her the challenge for that ROH title, I would be very happy. I think there's stuff you could do with her on AEW too, but so long as she gets a direction and TV time to do it, I'm very excited for her future. But for me, this this year was a great year to show out uh, for her, and yeah, Willow Nightingale most improved. That's a good choice. Um, Rylan, your most improved last year for the men's wrestlers was Sting, and mine was Jungle Boy, uh, who low-key had another uh, big step-up year as well, so good on him. But uh, who is your most improved this year? Sami Zayn. Mm. Not enough can be said about the transition Sami Zayn has made from, even from that hot WrestleMania match, which had no business being a hot WrestleMania match. Yep. Um... But the bloodline, joining the bloodline and becoming and inventing the word Usi and honorary Usi, becoming the honorary Usi, the the cracking up the bloodline on live TV, 
This guy has reinvented himself tenfold, and I'm so excited for the future of this character. Uh, he's one of the things that makes me want to watch WWE main roster right now. I want to see when they turn on him. Yeah, we're going to go back on Sami Zayn's career when it is said and done and talk about him the same way we talk about Chris Jericho. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it seems like there's a new character all the time and they're all amazing. And this is just one of the, the the one that for me stuck out this year the most. It just watching this guy go full circle with this group, uh, like the War Games match was great. Mm. All of the stuff was was fantastic. And again, I'm I'm more than happy to see this guy get a title shot in February in Montreal. I know you, you say that's for Kevin Owens, but something about them turning on him beforehand. I mean, I feel like that's the direction that him and Owens have the Usos at WrestleMania and they have a spectacular match. But I I just, I think him and Roman would be fire. Yeah, I agree. So. Could not agree with you more. I think they could have a really, really great match. Yeah. Um, My most improved, I had a tie because I just couldn't pick one act. And they are acts. Um, first of all, I need to talk about absolute Ricky Starks. He had a promo, um, which was a low-key promo of the year candidate, after he dropped his title, um, the um, FTR title. Right. Where he talked oh, about the, the he, FTW title. Sorry, the FTW title. Where he had talked about uh, turning, you know, taking straw and just turning it into gold. And how like the entrance, the pose, the promo work, the in-ring work, Everything just really clicked with Ricky Starks in this way. And there was always something about him that made him intriguing. But to me, it never quite all came together. And then this year, it came together huge. And for a guy to go from, you know, where he was to where he is this year is fantastic. And it makes me very excited for his 2023. Because he feels... He has a star quality to him. Right. The intangible stuff that you just, you can't overstate. He just, he feels important. He feels like he's going to be doing something really amazing. He feels like somebody who, I mean, both as a face and a heel has shown himself to be an excellent uh, entertainer. It was disappointing for the match between him and Hobbs to be what it was and for the feud to sort of feel erased and get buried in that that uh well they got their blow off match on rampage you know what i mean and and rampage is a show that last year you praised but this year really took a really big downswing Mm -hmm. i agree it felt like it felt more like the other show which was not the point of it or if it was going to feel like the other show then you know there's yeah, I feel like it's an opportunity for a star making stuff, and I feel like they're they're kind of squandering a little bit. But that's neither here nor there. That aside, I feel like Ricky Starks has a huge future, and I'm so excited to see more. He feels like he's elevated himself into pretty close to pillar territory, which is exciting for them to add more homegrown talent. To me, admittedly, Powerhouse Hobbs is in that same category too, but right. uh, Ricky Starks to me was above and beyond. And I had to put him in as a tie um, because there was a, there was a choice that I had made before Ricky Starks had sort of really elevated himself towards the end of the year. 
I said in the middle of the year, has there been an act that I've turned around more on more than the acclaimed? It's true. That's true. Yeah, you you certainly uh, turn around big I, time on them. I did. I could see it, but it never came together. And then, of all things, for it to be Billy Gunn. <laughs> Kyle, if we end up at the Dynamite in Winnipeg in March, are we are we walking out with Scissor Me Daddy t-shirts? Because <laughs> I, I, I think that's a photo op that we can't live to let down. It is a distinct possibility. Like, here's the thing. I If I'm, if I'm going to that show, i got to save up because my t-shirt budget is not normally this high. And, boy, um, there's a possibility I'm going to want to walk away with about a half dozen. But... <laughs> That one included. It's possible that I will want to make cardboard scissors for this. But the thing about it is that there, it just worked in such a huge way. And for them to go from where they were at the start of the year to tag champions in this tag division. And to somehow feel like the most important tag team in this tag division. Right. That's just it. Like, they, they elevated themselves to the point where, they, you're right, they feel more important than every other tag team going on right now. Which, with this tag division, is is wild. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for them to continue their feud with FTR. Yeah. I'm excited to see the directions where they're going to go. I'm excited to see them wrestle the Bucks. Yeah. Or Lucha Bros. Or, you know, any number of these things. And that's the thing. It's one thing if their mic act improved in this huge way. And that was the big thing about it. Because I do think... They do feel still, they are still a promo first act. But the in-ring is so good. And it, Anthony Bowens was always a person who I found particularly good. I thought he's a very excellent technical wrestler. He's got surprising strength for his size. Just a really, really talented guy. Max Caster has elevated himself as a high flyer so that he can hang with some of these other really great wrestlers and have these incredible matches. Are they the best workhorses on the co- in the company? No, this company's filled with workhorses. Can they hold their own against the best? Absolutely, they yeah. can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if that wasn't proven with their feud with Swerve and uh, in Lee, like, yeah. it, I don't know what, what else you got to ask. Yes. And so the acclaim to me, I feel like they have to. I couldn't quite bring myself to make them the tag team of the year because that. That award was wrapped up quite a while ago for me. Oh, yes, same. <laughs> but but the come up, they're they're in that same conversation. And to say that coming out of twenty twenty one, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. So Ricky Starks and he claimed uh, best feud last year. We both had Kenny Omega in different feuds. You had Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, and I had Kenny Omega with Christian. Who have you got this year? Best feud. I had MJF and CM Punk. I like did th- too. This was this was really great. Like this was. was CM Punk at his best. This was MJF at his best. Uh, this had a culminated in two very very fantastic matches. Uh, one of them being a dog collar match, which was a contender for me for match of the year, and it did not make my match of the year. But it was certainly like the the build, everything to that match, the build to that match, that 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 scene where CM Punk comes out on dynamite wearing that white t-shirt and he's bloodied so brutally heading into that match and you just knew that this match well you're it's a dog collar match so you know it's going to be a, a bloodbath but 
this match in particular was and this feud was just it was everything I ever asked for wrestling. Like if mm-hmm. CM Punk never comes back, I'm okay because I got that. Yeah. That's, that's I agree with you. That that's where I sit with that because because I think MJF is going to be one of the biggest stars of the next 20 years. And the fact that I got a CM Punk feud with that that style of end like and it was and I I feel like it wasn't even the end. Like the end was supposed to be after all out. Yeah. And we were supposed to get the the, the third match and it was going to be fun. It was going to be fantastic. But I will say like this feud not only did it show that CM Punk still had it. Not only did it elevate MJF, which is hard to do given where his place in the card was even at that point in time, it elevated Wardlow too. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, like, this it, was this was big. It was the perfect feud. Every time these guys got on the mic with one another, they they were able to barb back and forth, and no one felt the lesser. Ooh. No 100%. one felt like they didn't come out of it with a, a, a good couple of jabs. Punk got his, MJF got his, and they it worked. And it worked, MJF, right? Like Punk did. I don't know if if MJF uh, or if Punk was MJF's hero, but growing up, boy, did it feel like he was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if if you told me if you told me he wasn't, then that's darn impressive. Yeah, uh, on both of their parts make this feel so personal and real um honorable mention to mjf and william regal um <laughs> honorable mention like mjf like again he's, honorable he's mention cool. to seth rollins and cody rhodes that yes, was a great feud too it was there's again there's a few very good feuds in this in this year but um and we're starting to see the bubbling of uh i think a potential feud of the year in in sammy and kevin depending on the direction that they're going to go again um, and, you know, I feel like Hangman Page had, a, had some uh, impressive stuff early on in the year, too. But, yeah, this was it. Yeah. This I, had to be it. Oh, absolutely. Rylan, best commentary team. Last year I had um, Excalibur, Jericho, Taz, and Absolute Ricky Starks. And you had uh, John Anik? John yeah, John Anik. John Anik, Daniel Cormier, and Joe Rogan. Rylan, who have you got this year? Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. Mm, I miss Pat I, Honorable mention to Excalibur, Taz, and Shivani. I think those guys are doing great work in AEW. But Pat McAfee brought something out of Michael Cole this year that no one knew Michael Cole had, including Michael Cole. He if said this that. category was for a single call, Zane Knoxville as a match... <laughs> is absolutely commentary match of the year. Yes. Yes. It it just but but that was all year with these guys. Yes, it was. They 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 like again, I it, what's funny is do you know the backstory with these two? I, I don't know their I don't know their history now. Okay, so when Pat McAfee first came into the WWE, he he did like a pre-show something or other for WrestleMania and he came in a suit that had shorts as opposed to pants. And Michael Cole ridiculed the fuck out of this guy and tore him apart and said that Vince is never going to like this. He's dressed ridiculously, blah, 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 blah. And then Vince showed up, looked at Pat McAfee and was like, I get it. It's hip. I like it. 
And then these two were told to work with each other at some point. And Pat McAfee being Pat McAfee, who is, I think, one of my favorite sports personalities of all time. Just the most like a guy who is so relatable, so down to earth, so funny. Like, if you not if you haven't seen his interview with Brock Lesnar on his podcast, that's also the most relatable Brock Lesnar's been. But to have these these two personalities clash back and forth, priceless. Every time I, I've watched numerous interviews with this guy, I love I love his podcast. So much energy, so much fun, and he brings all of that energy, all of that fun to everything he does in the WWE. And Michael Cole again has said that this guy helped him get that that bug back, get that 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 spark that he loved to do commentary. Mm-hmm. And I think that you got to give Pat McAfee all the credit in the world because Michael Cole is a guy who's been doing this over 20 years so to give him that feeling that's fantastic and that's why they're they're getting my number one spot it's a good choice i did i did in fact have uh, as you had honorable mention and i'll give a strong honorable mention to cole mcafee i do think that you know cole barrett is not a bad tag uh, not a bad uh, team but there's something about Pat McAfee's personality that just really worked with Michael Cole, and it elevated them both, and I, I look forward to the return of that. Coming forward, uh, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Taz. This feels... It felt more like the permanent team in AEW. Yeah, absolutely. And if this indiv- if this award were an individual award, I would be giving it to Excalibur. Yeah, I mean, he, d- I- he does have to run down, like, 62 matches at the end of every show. <laughs> And he does it in a minute and a half. But he he reminds me, not to the same degree, but he reminds me a lot of Mauro Ronaldo. It's clearly he loves this. It's clearly he's excited about it. And it's clear that he, when um, he's calling a match, his knowledge of these wrestlers, his love of the sport, you know, all of these different things shine through in a big way. Taz has been... I have listened to Taz commentary before, and I've I feel like he's the person I feel the most mixed on when I listen to him do commentary. In years really? Past. Oh, like years past? Yes, he's fantastic now. No, I know he's again in times in years past. I felt like hit or miss. Yes, um, you know there were you know there'd be moments, there'd be things, whatever. And I feel like it felt like there were there was something there, but you know, just certain times it felt like he was really more into it than others. He feels like he's having a blast, and he feels it's all the technical details and all the interesting stuff, like just the idea of him talking through. Because this is a big thing about you know technical wrestling in particular, where you're talking about holds, you're talking about different variations of things, and the transition between one hold and another. That's where an analyst really makes their bones. And that's where uh, Taz really shines. And Tony Schiavone is just, he's that familiar, he's the familiar voice that you just want to hear talking about it. He clearly still loves it. He's doing a great job in his role as an interviewer. Um, Though I, I am glad to see Renee Paquette, uh, taking on that role as well. She's fantastic as well. The whole team, I think, they've stepped up. No disrespect to, um, Jim Ross, who is and remains, you know, one of the voices of our childhood. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's the thing is like when we talk about commentary goats, Jim Ross is on that short list, right? Yes. Um, but right now is just I, I don't feel like it's Jim Ross's time anymore. Yeah. And he if you use him sparingly, he can deliver on that level that you want yes. him to. But it, using him every week it, now, it just it doesn't have the same effect. And yes, it's something that I think WWE recognized a long time ago, but I still think back then there was a lot to to give with Jim Ross. So I feel like maybe they, they cut that off a little early. Yes. I do think there have been some great calls with Jim Ross. And even this year, he's had moments and things that he's delivered on and elevated. He has clearly taken a liking to, to Jungle Boy. He renamed him, for God's sakes. He did. <laughs> That he got, it got to the point where he's going to call him Jack Perry, and the company's just going to have to call him Jack Perry because he's not stopping. No. Um, and they did, which is cool. But Yeah, hey, Jungle Boy evolved. He became Jack. Yes. yes. But, you like, I, and I, I think the big thing about Jungle Boy Jack Perry is then if he changes to something else, Jack Perry, that still feels like we're rooted in the same thing. Right. Uh, the, the heel turn for Hollywood Jack Perry is going to be very interesting. <laughs> I, oh my God! Don't even don't even tease me with that, okay? Don't even tease yeah, me with that. But this feels like to me this is the team that I listen to every week, and I just enjoy. It makes it's part of it adds to the experience, and I like when commentary adds to the experience. Absolutely, like again, like I think commentary as a whole for this year outside of NXT for me wasn't all that bad. Like you had some interesting choices. You got rid of Jimmy Smith on Raw, and I while I'm not, I, I liked Jimmy Smith. I thought he was perfectly fine yeah. for the role he played. Certainly, certainly a, an upgrade from uh, what was it? At uh, uh, um, Ned Verk. Yeah, at Ned Verk. That was uh, I liked Ed Van Verk as a sports commentator. It just didn't fit. No, it did not. Um, but with all that being said, though, uh, Kyle, what is our next category? We're going to move on, and I believe we're talking about best tag team. Ooh. Um, well, this one will be easy. Yeah. Last year, you had the Young Bucks, and I had the Lucha Bros. Both great teams who had great years. We're not talking about them right no, now. No, no, no. It's all about FTR. FTR came into this company with a mission to prove that they were the best tag team in the world. And it took a couple years, but yeah, they're there. Yeah. Triple A tag team champions. They are former AEW tag team champions. They are IWGP tag team champions and former Ring of Honor tag team champions. They held three, they held three of those titles in one year. Yeah. Being this year. Uh, the matches that these guys have put on I'm going to talk about one of them again later. Um, phenomenal. Everything that you saw from these guys, whether you were watching New Japan, whether you were watching Ring of Honor stuff, whether you were watching AEW, even if you crossed over and you watched some of the AAA stuff, uh, I'm not sure if they did much with AAA, but I'm sure they did. They held their titles, right? Yeah. Um, it's all good. It's all, it's, but it's all better than good. It's fantastic. It's, everything you want out of tag team wrestling and it's everything these guys promised they were going to be and they delivered while it was a couple years maybe after they wanted to do so you got to find your groove and they found their fucking groove low-key dex harwood had like uh oh my god yeah a year where he was one of the best wrestlers period alone fdr uh cash wheeler remains amazing they're both just so good they they have a psychology to their tag matches that just nobody else can can reach 
and they can wrestle with teams from every style and make it look great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, nothing more to say. It was just perfect year for them. So excited for the future. Oh, what what more holds? And you know, they're. I feel like they're at the point where they've wrestled with everybody that they kind of wanted to, mm-hmm. and now we just get to see them. You know, have fun. They've checked off so much of the bucket list at this point. Yeah, I agree. And I I can't wait to see what it is when they're just kicking it. Um, we're moving on to best wrestling moment. Last year, you had the CM Punk return. I had Danielson Cole and Soho Ruby Soho debuting at the same show, which is a great show. Um, best wrestling moment this year, Alan. The debut of Soraya. I have the exact same thing. We were lucky enough to be in the same room for this. And both of our reactions were, was enough for me to put this one over the top. Uh, I thought this was just, it was such a, a moment that sure we thought about, but like we had kind of not really thought about, right? Like we knew she was a free agent, but enough time had died down where we weren't really talking about it anymore. And it, and it gave for that, not only a pop in the crowd that they were in, in the living room that we were in, my God, we popped. It was great. Yeah. didn't see it coming, which, you know, I'm pretty tuned in to, to things that are going on. So that, you know, to be caught by surprise is always nice. Right. And to see her get back into the ring, was the match amazing? No, it wasn't amazing. But you know what? It was just nice to see Soraya back getting to wrestle, doing this thing that she loves. She's done her entire life. She built her entire life around this business. Right. She's you know, born into this business. And it's, you know, there's something really underrated about getting to go out on your own terms. And I feel like she's going to get to have some matches. She's going to get to be a big part of growing this women's division. Lord, if anybody is going to get somebody, Tony Khan's attention to give these women more time, let it be Soraya. Jesus. But yeah. There needs to be more of this now going forward. I'm looking forward to her having matches. I do think we're going to see it's going to be more sparing. I can't imagine that we're going to be seeing her on episodes of Dark. Please don't. But honestly, I'm, I'm excited to see what she has going forward, what we've got in store for this year. And yeah, I just it's cool to, to feel like... And she clearly cares about elevating the women's division too. So that's a big thing. Uh, yeah, and also her chemistry with Rene, Rene Paquette is fantastic, and more of them together, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the best wrestling moment for both of us, I think, was pretty pretty clear. It's time to talk about best theme music. That's an interesting category. Last year, you had Chairman's Intent Hooks theme music, and I had Wild Thing John Moxley's. Both still great songs, and uh, both still used very well. This was probably the hardest category for me on the best list. Where are you going with this? The revolution will be televised, Kyle. It's got to be Ricky Starks for me. That's a good. It's a, that was a, again such a good theme song. And you know what? And it's been his theme song for quite some time. But like, it took me a minute to kind of like really appreciate it. And with him breaking out on his own this year and being able to just really have that iconic entrance that he does, I. I, I, I started to appreciate this song and uh, I dig it. Like, I love the big band feel to it. 
Mm. I had a few that were really tricky. That was one, again, some of these are, are new ones, and some of these are just more appreciated as we see. Uh, Boom was another one for me for Adam Cole early on in the year. I still love Hangman Page's theme. It just makes me want to play Red Dead Redemption. All the <laughs> um, I, Carry On My Wayward Son was a very difficult uh, honorable mention, because that it again, it's making people feel like a big deal. What makes it? How do you make the young bucks of all people feel like a bigger deal? You give them a smash hit. Yeah, this is their theme song. You bring in Kansas, um, the Hardy Boys. Hearing their theme song again, something I didn't think that we were going to get again. That's cool too. There was a bunch of them, but I was in the same boat as you. It's one we've heard before, but it just felt bigger now. And, it is, and I feel like the combination of this with the 80s nostalgia that we are going through right now, and then I had a, a personally 80 nostalgia, 80s nostalgia year. Dark Side of TR, FTR's theme song, the big synth-heavy 80s beats of them coming. Actually, sorry, one more I'll mention. Uh, the Acclaim just getting a beat so they can rap over it. Also, also great. Um, but FTR's theme song... It just, it felt like the guys are here, which is exactly what it's supposed to feel like. Absolutely. It felt big and important, and it fit their retro, you know, aesthetic, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, FTR is, uh, Dark Side of TR is, is a fantastic theme, and I'm very happy that they, they get to, whenever it comes on, um, it's always a great time. Alan, we're going to move on. Um, it's time to talk about some promo work. Women's best on the mic. A few ways you could probably go with this one. Who have you got for this? I thought Becky Lynch was really good. I I feel like while she was my most disappointing last year, she really turned that into a year where she was a heel for the majority of the time. And her promo work, especially when she was working against Bianca, was always very good. I love the fact that she very much so mirrored Seth Rollins with the eccentric character Mm -hmm. and the the costumes and all that. I loved it all. And I feel like a lot of people aren't talking enough about Becky Lynch on the mic this year. Being that, you know, yeah, it's not she's not the man anymore, but she and she became big time Bex. But big time Bex for me was just as impressive. Yeah, Uh, I talked a little bit about the Royal Rumble match. Let me be clear that match against Dewdrop, which was an odd one where the heel thing didn't take was the exception, not the rule. Right. Um, The heel thing took in a lot of matches and it was great. And it was good to see her her spread her wings in that way. I don't have her there, though. She was an honorable mention. I had a couple other honorable mentions. Um, Oh, Rhea Ripley's having a year, um, too. And her mic work has been... Again, she feels like a bigger deal than she always has in the past. But uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, continues to be the best on the mic this was i don't think this was a year that was a step down necessarily but this was just sort of another year for her yeah um it didn't feel like she like she was both of our uh women's uh wrestler of the year last year i don't think that's going to repeat itself this year um she won the owen hart cup she had a number of uh things going on she was in some good matches Uh, she held the title going into the year Right. But 
or going uh, at the start of the year, I should say. But she continued to be a presence on television. She continues to be an excellent talker. She got to be the person to have the rivalry with Soraya. And, you know, it's a testament to her both being, you know, a good pair of hands and excellent. She's grown by leaps and bounds since the beginning of her career as, a, as an in-ring wrestler. She's an excellent talent in the ring. But her character work continues to be excellent. This heel character continues to work. I'm excited for the feud between her and Jamie Hayter. I think it's going to be very, very good when we get to that. But the big thing is, it is a testament and a constant reminder that she is still an excellent promoter. And she's still an excellent heel. She still does an excellent job. She is... It's a great character, for sure. Right. So, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, women's best on the mic for me. We'll move on to the men's. Again, new category. So, no last year. Rylan, who have you got for this year? MJF. No one was better than MJF. Uh, for me, anyway. Uh, this guy had numerous fantastic promos. We're talking all through the Punk feud, uh, through the Wardlow feud, um, up against Tony Khan, continuing into his world title run. I, I think this guy, not only that, but teasing being a babyface and, and, and doing it and doing it, too. Like the crowd completely and utterly turned with him. So... I don't know. This guy just for me is untouchable. Kyle, I, I, I am. I don't have much more to say besides that. So he was a hard honorable mention. Ooh. The big thing for me, I, here's the thing for me with MJF is an amazing promo. Honestly, for me, and I know the whole thing with him is that kayfabe isn't real, and he's a, a bully for like whatever at us. Some of that stuff with Tony Khan, especially knowing now how, like, BS it was, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit. And, like, for me, I think the big thing is that MJF is amazing for being able to elevate feuds to a very, very big height. And him being the champion makes that very big because it's going to make those title feuds feel really, really important. And that's great. And I feel like he's probably going to end up winning this award for me next year as a result of that. Problem is that it, it just... Sometimes the MJF promo is just a bit too much. I'll say that for me. Uh... We'll talk about times where it really worked, because it did. But, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't quite... It doesn't stay quite as rooted in the product. Take my choice, for example. Another very eccentric, big-feeling character, but it never feels outside of the scope of the wrestling company. That's Chris Jericho. Okay. I wanted to get Chris Jericho on this list in some capacity. And maybe this is me pushing him in a big way. But the other big thing that I feel like for Chris Jericho has done... His group feels like they're getting they're getting better. The promo work feels like it's improving across the board, and he bigs up so many people. Including his opponents. Yes, including his opponents. He makes everything and everyone feel like a bigger deal. You know, some people were laughing at the idea of Claudio winning with a big swing, and here he is talking about, what is wrong with you people? He swung me around over and over. This is a thing that is difficult to deal with when you're in the middle of a wrestling match. Um, the other big thing about him is that the rest of his group gets the opportunity to shine too. Um, the 2.0 
like they don't even wrestle that many matches and they feel like they're prominent figures in, on the show. Um, Jake Hager has found something that's worked for him and good on him. It's a bucket Sammy hat, Gra- but he found yes, it. Yes, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bucket hat more than we had before. And he likes the fucking hat, okay? <laughs> um, Sammy Guevara feels like he's elevated. He's got Anna Jay cutting, you know, solid promos too. Like it feels like he has a, a central foundation for things and it is a nice, stark counterpoint to the people they feuded with all year, Blackpool Combat Club, who feel more rooted in, I don't care about all this other shenaniganry stuff, let's talk about door talking in the ring. Which, to be honest, is kind of perfect for that team of people. For, you know, Brian Danielson, for Claudio, for Wheeler Yuta, who do their best talking by wrestling. And who do their best talking about the matches and about what happens between the ropes and don't have to deal with all that showmanshipy stuff. Same thing for Eddie Kingston, who's very much, you know, an, an excellent promo in his own regard, but again, very focused on the fight and rather than the other stuff. That's what Chris Jericho can handle. And that to me, beyond the matches and beyond the stuff where he really felt like it was a year where he elevated other people, which I think is gotta be his role going forward. Well, he's got a match against Ricky Starks coming up this next week, so... Yes. We'll see if that continues. But Chris Jericho, I thought this was a very... This was a good year for him overall. Um, but the biggest thing for, for me was it felt like he bigged up a lot of people, and that his mic work was a huge reason for that. It's a good choice. Nothing against MJF, who... Yes, obviously he's an amazing promo. But MJF is there to big up MGF, which is a, your job as a promo, obviously, is to big up yourself. But Chris Jericho does that and also finds a way to get other people feeling like they're important to Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we'll move on to the singular promo of the year. Last year, we both had the promo work between CM Punk and MJF. Rylan, I feel like you're going MJF again. Uh, where are you going with this? Tony Khan, you're a fucking mark. Uh, listen, a lot of people have mixed feelings about this promo because of yes. the fact that it, it came out to be, you know, a work, but mm-hmm. it worked. And the, the night that this promo happened, it the, the wrestling world was like, God damn. And that's what you're going for. At the end of the day, you're, you're going for a reaction and it was a positive reaction overall. Maybe in retrospect, people look back on it and they're like, eh, I don't know about that one. But this one for me, he had the most fire. He delivered in, in the most MJF charismatic, angry, you know, emotional way. And it worked. The crowd loved it. The, the, the majority of the online community or the people who were at home watching loved it. So that one, it stuck out to me. And, and, and I feel like it, to this day, it's his best promo. Um, I was fully prepared to talk about William Regal and MJF's exchange, which was a masterclass in taking an unlikable character and really turning him on his head. William Regal remains, um, again, an OG at amazing promo work, and, and to be able to have com- command of the crowd in the way that he's still able to is impressive. I was fully prepared to talk to you about that, and then I f- realized I forgot about a promo that happened earlier in the year that I just can't ignore. Rylan, the best promo of the year for me, and I, I it wasn't close. It's Fight Like an Eight-Year-Old Girl. 
Dax Harwood. Wow. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that a lot. This promo was so touching and so heartwarming and so incredible. And to talk about FTR is to talk about how amazing they are as a tag team in the ring. But to talk about FTR this year, it's to talk about everything. Yeah. It's to talk about everything they touched turned to gold this year. And I didn't expect when Dax Harwood took the mic on that episode of Dynamite to be blown away by what he was going to say. And yeah, it was is the best promo that it was my favorite promo of the year. It was such an amazing moment talking about his his uh, daughter having a heart condition, fighting through it. it. Led to probably my favorite piece of merch that's ever been created. It is a t-shirt, uh, the t-shirt that was created for that. These two, because it just what's amazing about it is a reminder that the wrestling is always one of those things. I do. I just sort of you know whatever about it about it being a real thing, but. The thing with me with MJF is, as amazing as he is, it's hard to separate the character from the real person. Because I feel like if you ask me a question about the real person and who MJF really is, how on earth could I tell you that? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's fine, because that's that's kind of the point of kayfabe, is when you break it, it does peel back the illusion and it does take things back. But if you ask me who Dax Harwood is versus David Michael Harwood, I feel like I, I have some rooting in what we're talking about. Oh, certainly. You can really you can see the human behind that. You can see the man who loves this business more than anything else except his family. And like to me, there's something about this guy. Just being able to not only deliver these matches, but really see like the human like there's something about wrestling where you can see the human beings behind this that really elevates it and makes it amazing. It's because we're dealing with real human people in real time and watching them grow and change and and be humans as well as these characters. And yeah, sometimes as much as we want to protect kayfabe, and I think that it is important to remain, you know, the fourth wall is a dangerous thing. But when you have the opportunity to break it in this way, it is really touching and meaningful. Absolutely. And this was, yeah, this was my favorite promo of the year. That's a great choice. Rylan, we're going to get to best acrobatic match of the year. This is a tricky category for me. I had to think long and hard about this one. Yeah, this one, Last this one year, stuck me too. Last year, you had the Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks at All Out, and I had Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel on an episode of Rampage. Um, Rylan, where are you going with this one? Pac, Clark Connors, Malachi Black, and Miro at... This was a hard cut for me. Forbidden Door. Uh, this was a great match. Yes, this <laughs> this was Forbidden Door, was it not? Yes, it was. Okay. This is for the, the old Atlantic Championship. Right. The uh, inaugural match for that. Uh, this match was tremendous. And this is a match where, really, Pac and I, I, you could argue Malachi Black are high flyers. Like, Claire yeah. Connors is a lot more ground-based, and Miro is, is a heavyweight. Um, yeah. 
So, like, the, the fact that this match was as high-paced and fast and just as exciting as it was, this match took the cake for me. Like, over any sort of Young Bucks, anything that we got all year, um, I'm interested to see what your choice is, considering that your your reaction to mine. But, yeah, this one this one stuck out to me big time. And, uh, no, I, 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 you know, like, uh, th- that pay-per-view in general we're going to talk about. But, um it was an honorable mention for that one, and honestly, it was an honorable mention for me for best Haas fight, too. <laughs> Fair but enough. It was just one of those matches that you just got a little bit of everything, and it was great. Right. In advance of... Um, oh, this was in advance of All Out. On the, in the go-home episode of Dynamite, Wheeler Yuta versus Ray Phoenix versus Roosh versus Dante Martin in a fatal four-way match. This match was fire. <laughs> I went back and watched it again. It was just, oh my, I mean, Dante Martin has the potential to be something truly special. Ray Phoenix is honestly one of the, he's the best, he might be the best high flyer working. Not I would like agree the with most, that. Not the most air necessarily, but the guy who's so ingenious with all of his offense and makes it look so fluid every single time. He's doing things that I can't even imagine trying for the first time. And he's pulling them off like he's done them a thousand times before. Roosh was maybe a bit of hit or miss in AEW. But when he was really going, he was going. And this was a particular match where he was going. And Wheeler Yuta is thought, you know, he's more of a ground-based guy. But he can go out and he can deliver some high-flying offense. And he did in this match, too. He held his own uh, very much so. This was just a lot of chaotic fun, and sometimes chaotic fun is just really, really great. So um, that was my choice. Excellent choice. Best Haas fight. This this one's fun. I love this Lo- one. RJ, Lo- hit yeah, that right. music. It, it's time to talk about a Haas fight. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, you had Big E and Bobby Lashley on the September 13th episode of Raw. And I had Miro and Eddie Kingston at All Out. This one was hard for me. Um, I had to watch a few matches to get the one I, I knew I wanted. Uh, Rylan, where are you going with this? Sheamus and Gunter at uh, Clash at the Castle. This match was perfect. It was everything Sheamus needed to get to back to that place that he maybe once was. Um, and, and have that perfect end crescendo to a year that I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Sheamus. Sheamus is a big deal this Low year. Low-key wrestler of the year. Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this this match was perfect, I thought, between the two guys. They it was just strikes. That's all they did. Yeah. There was no there was no like big, you know, scary spots or anything like that. These two men just beat the fuck out of each other for like 15 minutes in in Wales. Yes. And the crowd just ate it up. They did. They were and so they behind Seamus. Oh my god! <laughs> These Seamus has never been so a ba- so much so a baby face than he was in this match. <laughs> uh, and it was great. I thought this was the perfect uh, hoss fight to the year. And this it's, it's on a show that we don't traditionally see a lot of this. So 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 I wanted to give this match a fair shake because I did not watch Clash at the Castle, and surprisingly. So I went out and I watched this match. And it was an honorable mention. I could not bring myself to put it on this list. Because to me, 
what is truly great about a, a really great Haas fight, because obviously it was it was a, a Walter match, and Walter matches are amazing. They're spectacles, and he is such a unique and interesting wrestler. For me, the amazing thing about a Haas fight is getting to see people who are the size of Haas wrestlers do things that you do not expect Haas wrestlers to be able to do. Some of the Keith Lee and Dijak matches were perfect examples of Haas fights between guys where it's like, how on earth guys that size pulling off stuff like that? And going back and re-watching um, Samoa Joe versus Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs full gear, how on earth Great match. How on earth are those guys doing the stuff that they are doing? Samoa Joe took a beating in that match. That a man with the amount of wrestling miles that he has on him should not be taking. And he was the winner. Wardlow is just a revelation in terms of his ability to be a combination of power and speed. Um, his stuff has been great all year. The, the rivalry with Brian Cage was uh, a show between two guys who do... That was an honorable mention for me, too. Is That, that, that match on Dynamite was fantastic. Do incredible things for their size. And Powerhouse Hobbs, is, he feels like such a big deal. He does. Yeah, absolutely. He feels like the future of wrestling. And it's that match, to me, I feel like it got lost in a very, very good show a little bit. But... It was something else, seeing those guys being able to pull off what they did. And it leads me wanting more, and that's the big thing about it. I feel like any combination of the three, give me more. That was my hospital here. Agreed. Uh, or, uh, that's a good choice, rather. Yes. Pay-per-view of the year. I feel like this is not going to be as, uh, as uh, clean-cut as it was last year. We both chose All Out, one of the, the best pay-per-views AEW has ever produced. I don't think we can say that about all of it this year. Rowan, what have you got for pay-per-view of the year? I got me some Forbidden Door. I liked Forbidden Door a lot. I loved the combination of J New Japan and, and Ring of Honor. Or, sorry, and AEW. Um, and I, 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 again, I thought that for the first year that these guys were coming together to do a big pay-per-view, as much as it did, you know, struggle from the, um, the, the lots and lots and lots of matches... Um, it delivered in, in almost every single one of them. It was an excellent pay-per-view. It was an honorable mention of mine. I kind of went back and forth between um, three. Uh, but ultimately, the big thing for me, always over-promise and under-deliver. Or sorry, otherwise. Jesus. The big thing for me, that's the, the symptoms of a bad show, is to over-promise and under-deliver. That's the Royal Rumble this year. Yeah. Under-promise and over-deliver. Going into full gear this year, I think both of us were not very excited. That's true. It was a show that there's a lot going on. Some of these feuds aren't that interesting. And how are they going to make it you know, work or whatever it is? And boy, the show was real good. It was. It was. So, like, Jake Cargill and Nyla Rose notwithstanding. Even the pre-show delivered on this show. Yes, it like, did. There is no reason that a match with Jarrett, uh, Jeff Jarrett and Sting should have been good. It was a lot of fun. But Soraya coming back, that was great. The tag match was amazing. The Jamie Hayter match was amazing. The the I just talked about Hoss Fight of the Year uh, on my Hoss Fight of the Year. That was... On that show, that was my 
I think my fourth favorite match. <laughs> um, the ROH the crowning of MJF. Yeah, the ROH. Well, we'll get to that. The ROH okay. title match. Yes, was that incredible. was great too. The opening match was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in a cage, and it was so good. The trios match, which has led to a trio series between the Elite and um, and Death Triangle, which has been great. It's yeah. been chugging along. It's been really entertaining. There is there are few moment in ring moments to go from um, the moment where Wardlow refused to give MJF the diamond diamond ring, and then to get to the moment where William Regal gave the brass knuckles to MJF. Oh, just. Those are some great, you know, moments in wrestling. And this was, I mean, we get to see, Ta- like, Takashita on the show. Um, yeah, this was just a lot of fun. This is a great, great show. And in a period of time where I wasn't sure where we were going with this and, like, wasn't sure if this was going to be very, very good. It delivered in a big way. I forgot even the ROH World Championship match. I wasn't super high on that match. And all four competitors were great in it. <clears throat> Sammy yeah. Guevara put on a revelation of a performance. He did. Yeah. The, maybe didn't reach some of the highs that we could talk about in some other matches, but this was a very, very good match uh, and a very, very good show uh, with a bunch of great matches and a lot of fun. Um, that's my pay-per-view there. Good choice. Good choice. I didn't see that coming. It's time for the big four categories. Let's start with Women's Match of the Year. Last year, you had Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa lights out at Dynamite on, on Dynamite. I had Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. Where are you going with this one? I'm going with Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. I thought this was the best women's match of the year. I thought that I, I thought I had lower expectations than Sasha and Bianca and I feel like they overdid it for me and I really love Sasha and Bianca I really do but I I thought that these these two ladies killed it and they did not feel like I believe this match was in the middle of the card yep I did not feel like that no it didn't it felt like it was the the, the main event the crowd was hot the, the, the wrestling was great. Uh, Becky, fe- I feel like she had her best performance of that year in that match. And it continued, like, again, it 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 did what it needed to do. It put over Belair as Bianca Belair like, wrestled top star. most of that match with one eye. Right. And and on top of that, though, she, she got put over again as a top star. Mm. And it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Um... And it kind of made up for the fact that my last year, my worst women's match was was those two. Um, it was those two, right? So it, it, to come full circle, good job, ladies. Yes, good job. Um, I was fully prepared to talk about this match when I originally wrote this list on December twenty third, which is uh, we're recording it later than that. And then I watched Dynamite that night. We didn't talk about it because that was a show we were taking off. Darn it, if Hikaru Shida and Jamie Hayter didn't steal this, didn't steal this spot. <laughs> Finally, we got our main event match on Dynamite. And 
Hikaru Shida and Jamie Hayter at the start of this year. Um, I don't even know if Jamie Hayter was like fully on the roster. Like she was making appearances, but I don't even know if she was like fully all elite by that point. And Hik- I'm not sure she was. And Hikaru Shida, even as the champion, never got all the opportunities that she deserved. Uh, and her mat, her best matches were pay per view matches. Um, this was amazing. Yeah, and th- these two. The crowd was so into it, was into both of them in a huge way. Karashita's offense has always been very, very impressive, but it felt like everything just came together. She got to be in there with somebody who hit just as hard as her. They probably, I imagine, again, I don't watch a lot of uh, Joshi wrestling, but they probably have experience together working. Uh, they've worked in similar promotions before, but like, this was so very good. And if this is the sign that we're moving in the right direction with AEW's women's division, freaking finally. Yeah, agreed. Because this, I, I do that. That yeah, that's a really good choice and off the wall too. Because I would have never never expected that to be the one. Yeah. I, I, again, when I announced this, I was you know it's going to get its usual spot and it's going to be good, but you know it'll get overshadowed by other stuff. They gave it the main event slot. They gave it the time it deserved and it delivered in a huge way. And that's a big thing is to finally get that opportunity and to show out in the way that Hikarashita and Jamie Hayter did. If Tony Khan goes back to this same booking of women's wrestling, it's not going to go over the same. You can't do it anymore. They're showing it that they can kill it. You gotta, you gotta give them the chance, and they gave them this opportunity. It was great. So that was my choice. That's a great choice. Men's match of the year this is a really hard one because there were probably a dozen match of the year candidates this year. Um, last year, you had Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page on the time limit draw on Dynamite uh, right at the end of the year. Speaking of matches stealing it, that was the December 21st episode. I had the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks at All Out in that cage match that blew my mind. Um, where are we going for this one? I'm having a hard time because I want to make it a tie, but I def- also feel like I shouldn't make it a tie. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with the match that made me feel the most. Oh, honorable mention first, if you want. Okay, to honorable mention then to Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins and Helen. A very, very good match. Uh, Cody Rhodes having the um, having the the bruising on his pec really added something to that match. And these guys were having great matches before that was yeah. even happening. Like, so great match. Please never do that again. Right. Agreed. Um, but for me, the match of the year was FTR and the Briscoes three with the dog collar stipulation. That's how dog collar matches should be done in mm. tag format. Uh, this was barbaric it was bloody and while it was ftr losing the ring of honor tag titles it was just such a perfect match kyle the referee bled in this match kyle yeah yeah uh and it was for me it was the perfect end to ftr's year even in losing Mm. because they had they like dax hardwood called it his masterpiece he he tweeted out afterwards that was my masterpiece yeah and i believe him that one has to be an honorable mention. There has to be, you know, a half dozen. You mentioned earlier about uh, Gunther and um, and Sheamus. That one was it got a five star rating, you know, like yeah, and deserved it. 
there's um some of this we forget about Hangman Page was out here at the beginning of the year having match of the year candidates with Adam Cole with uh, Brian Danielson again their rematch was incredible you talked about the dog collar match that one's ought to be on the list between MJ absolutely and, and uh, again this is, uh, talk about how many matches we want to talk about there were a lot of great ones except for me there was one that just stood out and I could not for my own personal enjoyment I could not manage to take it off my list nothing quite ever knocked it down from the perch and it's a little bit of an oddball inclusion but to me it's a reminder of what I want out of wrestling which is just everything all at once always House of Black versus Death Triangle on AEW Double or Nothing. This would have been hard to include if House of Black didn't reform at the end of the year. Because for this to be their last match would have been kind of sad for me. But my goodness, if this wasn't amazing. Malachi Black is one of my favorite wrestlers working. He is a true, truly incredible wrestler. The Lucha Pros are a tag team that... Man, they say Zero Miro. They mean it. <laughs> there is no fear in either of those two gentlemen, and they pull off some stuff that is something else, whether they're working as faces or heels or something in between. I've always been high on Buddy Matthews and just said, like, just give him a chance. Then he leaves WWE, gets ripped to shreds, out there. And he was already ripped to shreds. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. He went from jacked to something else. And still able to move at the same pace and insane uh, stuff that he's able to pull off. He has been amazing. Like, you talk to you know, people, we've talked to, to BJ from, uh, who does the uh, Aussie Lucian stuff. And he's been high on him for years and years. And just needed the opportunity. Well, he's getting those opportunities now and showing out. Man, Brody King had some bangers this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some other really, really great matches. We His feud with Darby Allen was <coughs> low-key and amazing one. But the culmination of all these people, and there's some that I haven't talked about, but I'm going to talk about later. Um, the culmination of all these people and their matches together, it was something else. And this was my favorite match of Double or Nothing. A very, very long show. But with some excellent matches on it. And for this to be the one that came out, yes, it is emblematic of the style of wrestling that I prefer. But in terms of a modern wrestling match, this was so much fun. And I named it a match of the year candidate on the night. Um, and I hold to that. This is amazing. Oh, That's sorry. A great choice. Honorable mention to uh, Anarchy at the Arena, too. Yes, I, I did not. I, I honestly thought you were going a completely different direction with match of the year. I thought you were going Orange Cassidy, Will Ospreay. Oh, another low key match of the year candidate. Those two had a, a like to me that was the match of the night on a very very good New Japan uh, show. But yeah, they're like more of that, please. <laughs> um. It's time for the wrestlers of the year. Women's wrestler of the year. We both had Dr. Britt Baker last year. Who have you got this year? Bianca Belair. Yeah. That's this a good lady choice. has been on 
has been on top of the WWE uh, women's division really for the last like few years on uh, under the radar for some of it. But both two years in a row, she was a WrestleMania main event in a sense, whether it was the last match on the card or the top women's title match on the card. She won both years in a row. And she has proven that it's not just a quick flash in the pan thing with Bianca Belair. She's there to stay. She's there to be on top. And she's the EST. For everyone who sort of talks about the Performance Center as, like, again, this is an AEW fan. Whoever talks about the Performance Center laughs it off as, like, as a wrestling training school. For her to come from CrossFit, I think she was doing before this, she is something else Bianca Belair yeah. an amazing wrestler honorable mention for me this is maybe this is in part me giving credit where I feel credit was not given nearly enough as it should have been after Thunder Rosa departed and we needed somebody to fill the hole that was left in the AEW's women's division Tony Storm stepped up and delivered Match after great match, week in, week out, on television, on pay-per-views. She was going out and holding that women's title, and at no point did she actually get to be told she was the women's champion. For months! Yep. She drops the ma- she drops it in a low-key match of the year candidate against Jamie Hayter um, at Full Gear. Uh, again, speaking more highly on that show. But and, and as big I want to as much as I want to big up Jamie Hader who had an excellent year in her own right, as much as I can talk about all of the WWE uh, women who had an amazing year, Bailey had a back half of 2022 that was incredible. Yes, and up to that point, the person who was holding it down uh, before their departure, Sasha Banks, had an incredible start to 2022 mm-hmm. before the company did her dirty. But Tony Storm was given this opportunity, sort of in the same way John Moxley was. Whenever they needed something, to, somebody to come along and hold things down until they had their plans together, they had poor John Moxley have to go out there and be that person. To me, Tony Storm was that person in the women's division, delivered constantly very, very good matches. You can say what you want about anything else. When they finally recognized her as an AEW women's champion, is a shame it have to ha- it had to happen after her title reign was already over. I agreed. That's it's a bit of a slap in the face. She held it for seventy six days. I'm glad they've recognized that as official as officially. Um, her time holding this title, she was having a great year going into it, and then she cont- she delivered in a big a big big way. Um, Tony Storm was my women's wrestler of the year. Good choice. Good choice. Not, not again. Not the direction I saw you going. Men's wrestler of the year last year. You had Kenny Omega, and I had Brian Danielson. Um, we could do a thousand honorable mentions here. I'm sure. I just want to hear what you, I want to hear your choice. Well, I, I, I do have to do one honorable mention, and the honorable mention is John Moxley. Yes. Uh, this is a guy who stepped up and was consistent for that company when they needed him to be. He came back strong after his uh, time off to get himself well. And I commend the guy for getting in impeccable shape, continuing to roll through and be the leader that this company needed him to be. But for me, the wrestler of the year, 
with Seth Rollins. Yeah, it's a good choice. I thought that this guy had an incredible feud with Cody, continued that into an incredible uh, feud with Riddle, of all people. Uh, And just it's not even incredible in the fact that he's feuding with this guy and it's this incredible story. No, the matches. This guy consistently delivers match quality, great quality matches every single time he goes out. Doesn't matter if it's on Raw, doesn't matter if it's on pay-per-view or anything. Or a house show. I saw him on a house show this year. He had an gra- incredible match. Yeah. Tell him, tell people in the crowd to fuck off. It was great. The, it was it was fantastic. The drip, too. This yes. <laughs> Coming out here being ev- the heel work. Yes. Let's not forget, because we can forget um, when Cody Rhodes came out, that purple shoulder distracted us from a lot of things. Seth Rollins was wrestling that match at Polka Dots, my man. Yes, he was. He was out there with Roman Reigns and the Shield in the in the um, out there in the fatigues again, wearing the flak jacket. With the in the match with Roman, yeah. yes. His heel work this year. I was on par with some of the best work he's done in his career, and I think you you mentioned that on our uh, sports report end of the year show. Like this guy just oozed everything he needed to ooze this year and for me he just stood out as the best wrestler in the world for 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 2022 like i thought seth rollins was the top of the top of the food chain like uh, uh, another honorable mention to roman reigns all all three members of the shield had fantastic Mm -hmm. years yeah so uh, to credit to all those guys but for me seth rollins gets the cake just in with his in-ring work Seth Rollins is a tough honorable mention for me. Cody didn't wrestle enough matches, but like he had, let's not forget another match of the year candidate with him and Sammy Guevara on that ladder match. Yeah, absolutely. Right at the start of the year. Um, Loki candidate there for him. Um, Hangman page before he got hurt was having, let's not forget. He started the year as a champion was having incredible matches. Brian Danielson had another incredible year. Claudio had a wonderful year. Um, Roman Reigns, as you had mentioned, had an amazing year at the top of that food chain. I had to include one from each company because I could not bring myself to pick one or the other, so I do have a tie at the top of my men's wrestling year. Okay. For WWE, Sami Zayn. Well done. Well done. Good for you, Kyle. What can I say? Like, the thing about Sami Zayn is it's a reminder... Both of these are two very interesting counterpoints, uh, but it's a reminder of what they are both able to do. It's a reminder that wrestling's allowed to be fun. It's a reminder that wrestling's allowed to be silly and entertaining and goofy sometimes. That match against Johnny Knoxville, I was so not looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I was mad about it. I didn't think it was going to be any good. It was. I was frustrated that this was the direction we were going with Sami Zayn. They went out and had a ball. Get slammed by Wee Man. Yes, and and the crowd popped like it was Hogan and Andre. Yes, yes, they did. Um, the stuff with the hand that was that was really hilarious. The mousetrap didn't quite work, but you know it was still a really really entertaining match, and it felt it was a nice break of fun in the middle of a WrestleMania show, along with the best call of of the year with Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. Then he goes into the stuff with the with. Um, the bloodline and the bloodline needed something. Yeah. Solo Sokoa was an excellent addition to the team, but they needed something because it was getting to the point where it's just, 
somebody else have this, these titles. They hold all the belts. They hold all the power. The users keep getting beat in non-title matches. And they needed some sort of way of elevating this. And what started as, I imagine, probably a one-off joke turned into something amazing. Where we get to say all of these people are having some of the having some of the best years of their career. Roman Reigns is out there tossing Sami Zayn in an honorary Oost shirt. <laughs> Roman Reigns is a character who wrestling is never not serious for Roman Reigns. He's out there breaking some nights. Yes. Paul Heyman has seen everything in wrestling business, wrestling business, and he hasn't seen this. No. He's astounded by what Sami Zayn is able to do as a performer. And said so. Said as much at the the, po- the press conference about him in the Survivor Series. The post the post press conference for that is just incredible. He called uh, Sami Zayn a basically. He said he was a Make a Wish kid who got his opportunity one week, and then everyone kept saying he did such a good job. Everyone kept saying, "You want to come back next week and run it back again?" And that's what it felt like. The latter half of this year reinvigorated this where I'm excited about the direction we're going with Roman Reigns even if it's a foregone conclusion of what his match is going to be in Wrestlemania though I'm so excited for the ride yeah I agree with you on that the Usos feel reinvigorated Jey Uso being the last doubter to fu- that moment those moments in the Survivor Series match with Sammy breaking up the pinfall by tackling the ref because he can't bring himself to tackle Kevin Owens to the hug with Jey Uso and them standing strong and oh, Sammy being cl- conflicted. That was so emotional, Kyle. That hug. Like, <laughs> finally, Sammy got it. After they go to war. And it's just, we always knew Sammy Zayn was an entertaining performer. He was an entertaining performer as Elton Erico. He was an entertaining performer in AEW as the, like, the, the ultimate baby face. He was amazing as his conspiracy theorist out there doing his little dance. We, I always appreciated what Sami Zayn was able to do, and this is just a testament that if you give Sami Zayn screen time, he can work with anybody and be amazing. Okay. And if this doesn't prove that, I don't know what does. That's a great choice. And then, like, he wrestled too and was fantastic. He had some excellent matches this year. Um, he pinned AJ Styles with the Blue Thunder Bomb. <laughs> so excited to see that again. Um, but yeah, Sami Zayn made elevated this act and this act elevated smackdown enough cannot be said about what Sami Zayn brings to that group and what he brings to the wrestling industry as a whole he was my co-wrestler of men's wrestle of the year and yet in AEW I have to talk about the exact same thing there's a wrestler who continues to be not always you know featured as the most heavily prominently featured wrestler um kind of gets into the background a bit he's been working um part of this year as a big part of this year as part of a tag team as part of a group and brings a silliness combined with a seriousness and combined with a wrestling acumen that few people can match technical aerial everything just an amazing amazing wrestler we need to talk about Pac wow we need to talk more about Pac yeah because low-key, the stuff he does in AEW every week elevates... He elevates every match that he's in. 
He was holding down that that AEW All Atlantic Championship. Let's not forget one of the low key moments of the year was Orange Cassidy get picking up that victory mm-hmm. and the crowd popping huge for the All Atlantic Championship. Well, that was the heel work that Pac was doing, elevating that and making that feel like a big deal. When we needed somebody to pull things down for the trios title after the mess that was brawl out, who do we give to this? The Lucha Bros and Pac. Safe hands are going to deliver amazing matches. And they continue to do so. Yes. And that's what they did. And when they came back, do we give, do we just pretend that that never happened and give uh, the elite the championship and just go back to the way things we were planning on doing them? Well, we can't now. They're too good. And the story's too good. And the hammer. Yeah. Him dragging Ray Phoenix to the dark side is low-key one of the best feuds of the year. The stuff with Orange Cassidy was great. At the start of the year, he was having tremendous matches as well. You mentioned your fight, or your acrobatic match of the year. Well, a big part of that was Pop. Yeah, he was the winner. Yes. These are two underappreciated former NXT stars. <laughs> the, the, here's a fun fact for you, Kyle. Sami Zayn took the NXT title off of Pac. Mm-hmm. Off of Adrian Neville. Yes, he did. Feels like a long time ago. It was. And these two, <laughs> it's because it was. Uh, <laughs> yes. But but this is testament. These two have been through the doldrums of being forgotten on the main roster, put into, given opportunities, kill it with every single opportunity that they're given, by the way. Remember the Artist Collective? Let's just get three of the most talented people in the world to be, you know, to not wrestle. Had an eight-minute match at WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan. Oh, pain. Pain in my soul. And to get to see these people get these opportunities and work. Like, in the middle of this year... Sorry, I don't keep arguing this. In the middle of this year, um, in that ma- in that show where we could not stop p- booking matches, so the moment we were at 15, if I'm not mistaken at all out, Pac had a dark match against Kip Sabian. He did. He did, and it was uh, unfortunately not a very good match, but uh, right. But it was there. That's my point. Is it's that's that's the stuff we're talking about. Where if you give these guys opportunities, these two in particular, the stuff they can deliver on is incredible. And Pac is a guy who just needs a chance to wrestle. Agreed. And he's been on TV. And in the last later half of this year, he's been given that opportunity and in such a great way. And that's it's such a great choice. And somebody I didn't even have at the top of my head. But it's the thing is he's like for a character who stands out as much as he does. It's just a given that he's going to be having great matches. It's just a given that he's going to be doing fun promos. It's just a given that he's going to be there with his hammer sliding it into Ray Phoenix's hand. (laughs) Um. It's just a given. Well, we got a new championship. Who do we want to take to give this to to make it a big deal? Eh, Pac can do it. You know, and it's just the unsung heroes of wrestling finally getting their due in 2022. That's my favorite. That's my favorite thing about talking about this category. And I feel like my choice is Tony Storm, Sami Zayn, Pac. Yeah, unsung heroes getting their due. That's a that's a great way to end 2022, Kyle. Uh, I want to go ahead and thank everybody for joining us oh, for 
Oh, hold on. Oh, wait, we have we have that. predictions. I forgot about this. We do. Strap this yourselves in, long, folks. Man. We got a little bit more to get to. Last year, I made 21 predictions for 2022. It's time to talk about the predictions for 2023. I came up with another 21. This is going to be an interesting one. Some of these might be more obvious than others. I hope to not embarrass myself as much as I did, but I'm sure that we will. Let's start. Rylan, number one. This is a very sad one. Vince McMahon returns to WWE. I don't think so. You think it's over? I think it's over. I want to believe that you're right. And you know what? I feel like I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I just, I feel like I'm going to hope strongly enough that it's over, that that's just going to carry it through. So I'll say no as well, but ugh, it feels like a thing that could happen. Number two, a big name MMA star makes their wrestling debut. Hmm. It's a hard one, eh? Yeah, it is. I- I'm going to say no. I'm going to say there's no one on the horizon right now that I'm hearing about that's, you know, making waves that I like. I don't think Daniel Cormier is coming over to WWE yet. Yeah. I feel like the thing is, for me, if it doesn't happen now, I'm not sure when it's going to happen. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'll say no as well, but this is, that's a tricky one. I don't... I just don't know. I feel like Daniel Cormier feels like somebody that WWE wants to have at least a match with. Like, if I'm not mistaken, was he not a referee in last year? He was, he was the referee in the fight pit match between Riddle and Rollins. Yeah. So, like, he's already got his foot in the door in the company. I feel like, in terms of, like, fight people with fighting pasts, he and Tyson Fury seem to be the two that they really want to do something with. Um, also, I'm scared that we haven't heard from Conor McGregor in a bit, so I worry that this oh, is... He's going like up to middleweight. Actually... He's going up to middleweight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'll say no, but, yeah, there's some possibilities there for sure. Number three, CM Punk wrestles a match. Right? Well, I feel like he's going to be hurt till the summer. Yep. I'll put it to you this way. With what I've heard from Dax Harwood on his podcast, FTR with Dax Harwood, um, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I, I, I he, he talks about him, obviously, in a very positive light, considering that they are friends. Um, but he just talks about like how he's positive with every one of those guys now. You know, and they've had issues with the Bucks in the past. They've been able to put them aside and and work together. And and he he's one of those guys who thinks that there's there's something there's a story to be told and a wrestling business to give that gift to. And I hope that uh, there. I I, want to say you know what I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes in 2023. CM Punk wrestles a match. The more time passes, the more I think this is going to happen. I will also say yes. I also, I think, to be honest, if he doesn't wrestle in AEW, I do think that there are possibilities for him elsewhere as well. Okay. So, no, I don't think a WWE return is realistic. Even with Vince gone, I just don't see that door being something that CM Punk's quite willing to cross. But other possibilities as an option, yeah, I do think there's there's definitely something there. Okay. Number four, The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Yes. You think it's happening? Yes, I do. I agree. It's it would be like the thing is, I it'd be kind of disappointing if they didn't do it at this point. I think I think Triple H 
in his regime would have put out some sort of statement by now, considering that that's all the the rumor and innuendo is that that's happening. Just simply stating that they're because I don't think he I don't think he wants to would want to disappoint like Vince would Vince would just let that go. Right. Whereas yeah. I feel like he would put out some sort of statement simply saying that's not the direction we're going. You know, we don't want to disappoint anyone, whatever. Right. I think that's definitely a possibility there. So that leads us to number five, because I think this is the more interesting question. Roman Reigns drops his title titles before WrestleMania. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Who? Cody for one of them, for sure. Mm. I, I think Cody definitely is the guy to, to lose one of those belts to. And honestly, I think Owens would be a great one for the other one to go to. Uh, although, although. With with their backstage uh, kerfluffle a couple weeks back after the War Games match. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, I don't know if anyone else is ready. Like, I don't think Drew... I think Drew is hurt right now. And honestly, I don't see anyone besides Drew, Owens, and maybe Zayn being ready for the title. I wish it would be Gunther, but they still have that the IC title on him. Yeah, and, and I don't... Like I, I'm, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm hyped for a match for, between the two of them, but like I also kind of want him to have a, a a nice slow burn rise. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily want them to rush him because I, while you, I agree that you strike the iron while it's hot. I don't think it's that hot yet. Um, I'm gonna say no. I think they're gonna have the Rock and Roman for the title. I think I think that's the wrong choice. I do think they should drop them for it. But I feel like it'll be... I feel like what they'll do is they'll introduce a new championship. A unified one or something like that. Okay. Like, unify the titles between the two. Um, yeah, I, I think he he holds on to at least one of them, and I feel like that's what we're doing for WrestleMania. I don't think it's the right decision, but I think... Because I feel like it's way more interesting if we're talking about head of the table. But that's what I'm going with. I think I think it's there's going to be belts involved in that match. Number six, a big name indie wrestler, and this includes the AW, a big name indie wrestler or former WWE cut makes their full time return at the Rumble. So we're talking about a person who has to come back for the Rumble and then remain on WWE WWE roster. I will say yes because it's kind of been the theme. I don't want to say Matt Cardona because I just don't think it's going to be him. I think he's happy doing what he's doing. Um, Ooh. Oh, you put me on the spot here, Kyle. That's Uh, right. I I can leave it if you want. Yeah, leave it. Leave it. I I think there will be someone. I just don't know who yet. Um, uh, I'm going to say yes as well. I would say Rusev, but I don't think he's going to be allowed to wrestle by that point as Rusev. Uh, and I would say Andrade. This year's same- Rumble? I, I think yeah. Rusev is signed until 2026. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And oh, okay. Same, same thing for Andrade. I don't think he, I think he signed for too long to make that work. Uh, even if they got rid of him, I feel like they would keep him off TV for a bit. Um, for so I will say yes. I'm going to say Chelsea Green. I think she makes her return there. Okay, that's a good choice. I think Cardona is eventually going to come back to WWE, but I don't think he's quite ready yet. No, do what you're doing, man. Like he—he he is such a fucking awesome star right now that I—I I say just roll with it, man. Number seven, Sasha Banks wrestles in AEW. 
Yes, I think this is happening at the beginning of January. Really? I think that Sasha Banks is going to be the one to defeat Jade. Wow. I would love that to happen. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> something <laughs> tells there's, me. There's some bold predictions coming your way, guys. Something tells me that this is going to burn for a bit and then not actually happen. I have a feeling Sasha Banks is going to come back to WWE at some point. I don't think it's going to be soon, but I think she's coming, going back there. So I'm going to say no. Okay. I do okay. hope I'm wrong, though. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Sasha Banks fan. And would I love to see her wrestle in AEW every week? Yes, please give me that. But uh, Sir, it's Mercedes Mon- Monet. Yes. Uh, well, uh, Mercedes KV. Um, in, in real life, so we'll go with that. Well, that's, that's fair. That's I, Although she has trademarked Mercedes Monet. Okay, I'm I'm cool with that. That works for me. Mercedes is such an awesome name. Um, <laughs> anyway, number eight. Okada versus Omega 5. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. Really? I don't think so. No. Um, not, not, that's not what I want to see at Forbidden Door. Honestly, like, because we're obviously we're going to go back to that again. I just I think it's done. Like, I would much rather see Omega versus Ibushi. I would much, much rather see Omega versus Osprey again on on Forbidden Door. Because I because I mean, like, again, how many people you're not going to get as many people catching that on Wrestle Kingdom as you would be on AEW on a weekly show yes, or on an AEW pay-per-view. You know what I mean? I agree with you, but I do think if we want to sell that show, putting those two front and center on the on the thing, I don't think there's anything bigger than that. Like, I, I I agree with that. Certainly. I think I do think I think they have one more match left. I do think it's going to be the last one. But I think I'm surprised that he'd go back to Wrestle Kingdom and wrestle anybody else. So I'll say that it happens at, uh, I think there's going to be another Forbidden Door show. I didn't ask a question about it because I do think it's going to happen again. And I do think that Okada Omega is the way to go. Okay. So yes for that. Number nine, three or more major AEW wrestlers go to WWE. No, 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 that's not, that's too many. We only had one big one last year, Kyle. Yes, I know, but I do think there need, does need to be some finding of equilibrium. And three. I asked this question. I shouldn't be stumped by my own questions. Three is hard. So I will say no, but this one's hard. I do think that I do think there's gonna be at least one. So that leads me to believe, is there a possibility? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll say no. Okay. But I do think there does need to be some movement in both directions for everyone to feel a bit more happy. And I think that this is a definite possibility. This is a fair point. Number 10, three or more major WWE wrestlers go to AEW. I also say no to that because I just, I think we're kind of at a, a standstill with the jumping back and forth now. Don't get me wrong. Contracts come up. Decisions are made. But like, I feel like the way the rosters are sitting right now is the best they've been for both sides in a while. And um, why ruin a good thing? Like, just just I think roll with who you got. And, you know, I, I, I again, three is a lot. That's a lot. It's a big number. I think, honestly, 
Given the way that the wrestling landscape has changed, I think we're going to have very different contracts being signed going forward. One, I think that people are going to want to sign shorter contracts. Right. And two, I think having a free agency, having like the opportunity to be able to be courted by both and get your offers, I think it's just a better world for the future. I personally, I'm going to say no. But I do think we're going in a direction where we're going to see more interchange between the two. I just think 2023 is too soon for that to happen. 2024, you know. Yeah, I do think that's going to be a year where we see some back and forth. I would, though, I will say this. I hope I'm wrong for both of those because I want people to be able to go to where they think they're best suited. And I do think there's people in both locker rooms who wish they were on the other. Yeah, well, I'm sure that there is. Number 11. A New Japan wrestler wins an AEW title. Okay, I I could see that. I could definitely see that. Do you have an idea of who or what? I think maybe Osprey might be able to do something this year over in uh, AEW. I think he made a big impression last year with his performances on Dynamite, Rampage, and at uh, Forbidden Door. So... I think that, again, Osprey's a guy who, yes, there's some controversy there with that guy. He seems to have weathered somewhat of that storm. And he is, again, another guy who's on the top lists of everybody's wrestler of the year, almost every year. And again, he's somebody that we've talked about in high regard this year when it comes to match quality. So, yeah, I think Osprey might be the, the, you know, most likely out of that New Japan roster to pick up a title in AEW. I will say yes as well. I think that Switchblade Jay White is a really good foot in the door for and New Japan, who wants to do some U.S. expansion anyway, to maybe start to push in inroads in that regard. And I think a nice thing to do that would be to have him hold the TNT Championship for about a month. And he could be a really good transitional champion. But I do think there needs to be a Switchblade era in AEW, and I wouldn't mind him being the guy to do it. Or to get in that opportunity. Right. Number 12. Sami Zayn wins a title in wins a title in WWE. I'll say yes. Do you do you have do you want to take a gander as to which one? Not even not even a little bit. Uh tag team title. I'll go tag team title. I agree with you. I think he's gonna win the tag team titles. I think that seems like the most sound direction at this moment. Because I don't think he's going to beat Roman, so that means that difficult. I don't think they want to push into the IC title, because it's a whole new story direction that just doesn't go with what I think they're trying to go with with him. So I'll say he and Kevin Owens get that title run. Fair enough. I Actually, honestly, I wouldn't hate seeing him back in in uh, NXT to wrestle a match, too. That, w- that would be great. That Him and Breaker, I feel like, would be a phenomenal match. I agree. Number 13. Soraya wins a title in AEW. We did this with Punk last year. I. If it's not Sasha, Be- if, if, sorry, if it's not Mercedes that takes the title off Jade, I think that it could be Soraya. So, I'm going to go with yes, and I'm just going to make sure that I have all my bets placed. I'm going to say no. I'm going to make the same mistake I made with CM Punk. I think she's going to spend 2023 being an attraction wrestler and rest and try to elevate the division. I don't think she's going to get a title yet. I think, I think for her, whereas I feel, I feel silly about the CM Punk thing. I think her can be a bit of a slower burn because I think they have more time with her than they would have with CM Punk. Mm-hmm. 
Well, certainly. The age difference is, is vast. Yes. Number 14. Cody Rhodes wins the WWE title. Yes. Specifically that title. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I, I don't see. I, I, I see that that's kind of the direction that the, the character has always kind of been placed in. And it makes the most sense. I'll say yes as well. I, there's just such an easy story with Dusty never getting to hold it. That to hold it for, for him, to hold it for Dusty, all of that. I think that's the I think that's the way they're gonna wanna go. Yeah, like I agree. I think this might be my hardest question. Number fifteen, Seth Rollins turns face. I think it's already happening. Really? Yeah, I I, I the crowds are like again, seeing him at a live show in the summertime, it was him and Riddle and there was not a lot of Riddle love. It was it was the crowd chanting that could just that be song. riddle. It could it could, but again, like it was a lot of kids. It was a lot of kids who like the goofy whatever, and it was a lot of Seth Rollins love. And don't get me wrong, Riddle won the match and he got a big pop for it. But like people were chanting the song. People love the song. People love the outfits now. Um, and just again, he's amazing to watch as a performer, and he's kind of gotten back to that. To that, like, spectacular match after spectacular... He's never really lost it, but the the, the babyface style of everything, I guess. I I, uh, I think that it's a matter of time before he's a babyface again. I was fully prepared to agree with you, but I feel like there's so much value to him as a heel right now. I just don't think they're going to be willing to do it. I think he's such a good... He's such a good person to have on the roster is a, a guy who is a heel who is reasonably popular who is very entertaining who can deliver you a good feud and then you know put over a big time baby face in a big way he did it for cody i feel like they might want to go down that well a couple times this year especially with their faces need a little bit of push they need now seth rollins would solve that problem by being a face but i do wonder if they want to use seth rollins to elevate some other people so I will say no. Well, right now it looks like he's a face in the program against uh, Austin Theory. So we will, we shall see. Yes. Uh, again, I'll say I feel like he can drift in and out a little bit, but I do think he's going to stay. You know, the same character for the year. Which that's and that's fair. Yeah. Um, number sixteen. The XFL completes its twenty twenty three season and announces plans to return for twenty twenty four. Uh, yeah, I think it's in better hands than it was before. I think this is one thing that uh, Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia, they got this one wrapped up a little bit. I think taking it away from Vince was the biggest, the best thing you could have done for it. I'm going to say no. Okay. I have a hard time with this one because I do think there's a market for it. There's a market for, one, springtime football. and then But two, there's a market for another league that is going to be, you know, an opportunity for some football players who didn't quite make the league the initial time to get a second chance and to be able to push themselves and don't necessarily want to live in Edmonton to do it. That's like the CFL is a great uh, opportunity for a lot of people, but it's it's a t it's a tough thing to be able to to have to you know come to a whole different country to do it, especially if you grew up you know Florida or Georgia or Texas like some of these people did. That's a Playing an outdoor game in Winnipeg in November is is different. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's 
so expensive. You're going up against the NFL, and it's very, very expensive, and you need deep, deep pockets to do it. And there have been several leagues who said they had the money to do it and then weren't able to pull it off. This is a thing that's not going to be profitable for several years, and I just don't think that Dwayne Johnson and AJ Garcia, despite their pockets, are going to be willing to weather a lose a money losing venture for multiple years. I'm going to say no. Okay, I could be wrong about this, and I hope I am. Again, I think there's a place for it. See, I just don't think those two would have gotten involved if they thought that they couldn't do it. And I and I don't think just because they think they can do it doesn't mean they can. But yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. I I hold Dwayne in that high regard in the sense that he doesn't really get involved in uh, Warner Brothers aside, uh, get involved in things that usually backfire on him like that. Number seventeen, Pat Look McAfee. At that fucking rest- tequila, man. He sells the <sighs> shit out of that. Number seventeen, Pat McAfee wrestles a match. Yeah, I'm going to say so. I, I think as soon as football season's done and he's off um, he's off that program that he's on, right? Or he's still in college football, is he not? Yes, yes. Okay. Well, we're in bowl season right now, so it'll be probably like mid-January he's going to be done. Oh, perfect. He's WrestleMania season. <laughs> um, this is a hard one for me. The Rumble! So think, the Rumble! I do think he's going to come back. I just wonder... Is he going to be commentating full-time? And if he's not, is he going to be? I'll say yes, but this might be more hopeful than anything else. Yeah, I miss him. He is he is really sorely missed. And I think that I him and Wade Barrett gonna... with, with Michael Cole would be a great three-way yeah. combination. I do wonder, though, if he's going to go to football more permanently. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like, again, what... We'll, we still have yet to, you know, figure out how, how well this is going to go over. I mean, like, I'm sure it's going over great. This guy is, he's hard to not love. You know what I mean? So, um, but again, time will tell when it comes to Pat McAfee. And, and, and I certainly think he will have a match in, in 2023, though. Number 18, AJ Styles wins a title in WWE. No, I think that's over. Oh, really? I, he's, he's my favorite guy, but like I think that I, I don't see him as like a guy. I mean, unless Triple H just is, he's a guy who I feel like would win another title or be put in that into that position if they were in a pinch and they needed somebody. I don't feel like he's their go-to guy now, though. I could be wrong, and I, I, again, I would love to see him hold the WWE title again. I think he's 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 been great as WWE champion both times. Um, I've, so here's my question for this before I before I make my decision. This is something I, I didn't look up before. Is he one belt away from being a Grand Slam champion? He is a Grand Slam champion. Oh, he's already a Grand Slam champion. He's yeah. won all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Different. Sorry, he hasn't won the Universal title, but I believe it. Ah, uh, it's a tough one though. He's won the he's won the Raw tag. He's won the United States. He's won the Intercontinental. He's won the WWE. Yeah. So he's a Grand Slam champion. <sighs> Darn it. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with you then. Then no, I, I, if he was like a U.S. title away, I feel like they'd give him that to to complete it. But I do I do think a mid card title run for AJ Styles in 2023. Just what is it? What is it, what are you doing it for? Unless you're trying to get somebody over great. And maybe yeah. maybe you do some stuff with him and Cody. That would be great. Yeah. Um, two two Georgia it, boys. That's tough, though. Yeah, I agree with you. Number 19. Bray Wyatt cinematic match at WrestleMania. God, I hope not. I don't want to see that. Uh, not, not, not now. 
That's and, and that's not a WrestleMania moment, I don't think. Like, so don't saying, get me wrong. No, I, I think that uh, out of the pandemic, we're going to have to deal with that. I mean, he did just wrestle his first match on a uh, house show just a few days ago. Um, and uh, apparently all went well. But no, I, I think that this is a guy who the cinematic match is fine, but it's not for WrestleMania. I don't think. Not anymore. It made sense the year that we all had to shut down, but like... I think those people, those 70, 80, 90, 100,000 people want to see that guy in person. I'm going to say yes. Okay. This might be a push, but I do think some portion of this match is going to be cinematic. And, okay. Okay. I think, like, he might make a date. He might show up in the arena itself at some point. But I do think there's something story to this character that does need to get wrapped up before he's a wrestler again. And I do want to be honest with you. I do hope that this character, the, the Uncle Howdy stuff that's going on, it does get us to the point where we can have Bray Wyatt wrestler. Because a lot of this other side stuff is... It's good. It's entertaining. It makes for it makes for a good show. And I love the Fiend character, and it was an elevation to the weekly programming to have Bray Wyatt on it every week. But then how do you bridge that gap between Bray Wyatt, the character, and Bray Wyatt, employee for a wrestling company? Right. Because there's some... Yeah, unless you're making some very big leagues. It's the same problem. Like, it was a thing that they had. They tried to deal with with Undertaker, and it was they did a good job of it, but you were able to get away with some of that stuff early on with the Undertaker to weather that storm because of the era that you were in. Mm-hmm. Trying to make a character like that now is a lot harder. Which leads me to my next one. Do we get a match at the Hardy Compound? No, no match at the Hardy Compound in 2023. I don't think so. I don't think we're there yet. I mean, it, it's again, anything can happen. But I just, uh, I'm not there yet, I guess. If he's going to return, I think he returns broken. If he's going to come back into it full time, especially with with Jeff there, if Jeff comes back, I just think there's something about Broken Matt Hardy that 2023 feels like the right time to try it again. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you on that, but I just I I have not had any inklings that that's where he wants to go yet. But uh, and I, that's why I want to make that safe bet because anything can happen. I you know what? I'm gonna this is just completely out there I'm going to say it is going to happen I'm going to say we're getting a match at the Hardy Compound I, it might be even a TV match like I don't think it's necessarily got to be a huge deal but I think and maybe they do a show in North Carolina and they're able to pull it off that way but to me I think there's something about this time away that Matt Hardy has had that I feel like we're going to go back to that some element of that character. And I think if you're doing the character, I think you need the the compound as well. That's fair. That's fair. Number 21. And this is the biggest one. I saved this for last because I wanted to do the, the outlandish one. It doesn't need to happen in 2023. But an AWWWE co-branded show is announced this year. No. No. I, I got I nah I'm not I'm not even gonna touch that one. Don't get me wrong, that would be amazing. But I just don't think it's 
I, I don't think the Triple H respects them like that. He's always will, called them the upstart. I will also say no, but I think this is the year that the two reach out to each other to at least broker conversation. I think we're going to start to hear rumors about meetings between Triple H and Tony Khan. I don't think they're necessarily going to go anywhere, but I think there's too much money on the table that they're not both at least going to talk about it. Get out the idea. I, I could see that. It's like, that's the thing. Tony Khan is willing to work with basically every other company. He has worked with all of the other big ones at this point. The company's only been around, what, four years? Yeah. So... Like, I feel like he'd be willing to broker the conversation, at least. It just comes down to whether or not WWE would. And I feel like there's enough between the two locker rooms of people who would be, who would have some level of interest or who have experience working with the other side that I feel like there's something there. Where at very least, they'd be willing to have the conversation. I don't know that there's definitely going to be a show. I'm also saying no. I don't know that there will ever be a show. But I think it's one of those things that's like, we at least need to think about it. Okay. Okay. That's our year. It's time to, uh, I guess it's time to uh, wrap up for the show. That is uh, everything we've got. Uh, Rylan, do you want to talk about the this being the end of the year for us? Yes. Uh, this was uh, the best year of Wednesday Night Wall for me. Uh, I'm sure Kyle can agree with me on that. I think we really busted our asses and... and uh, made this one like the best one so far and i'm so 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 looking forward to season five of wednesday night wallop uh getting started uh, as soon as possible as soon as uh january 4th man that's our first show it is and it's it a good one soon. it's soon yes uh so we'll strap ourselves in for that but kyle i i want to say thank you to you for for joining me almost every week for the last year reviewing wrestling as well as almost every month reviewing old wrestling and then sports the olympics the world cup thank you so much for that because uh without kyle this show is not possible uh and 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 a lot of the the, the work that goes into this show is due to the fact that you know Kyle puts a lot of thought and process into a lot of the things that we do and a lot of the th news that we cover so thank you to Kyle thank you to RJ you have, uh, I, I'm sure by the, at this point and the editing process of the podcast, you uh, want to throw yourself off the building um, because of uh, us, our, our runtime currently being three hours and 45 minutes. But uh, that being said, this will be, be multiple shows. We're not releasing this as a single show. Oh, no, I want it as one show. Let's go. Oh, Let's boy. go. Let's go. This is our longest show of the year. It's our last one. Let's go. Multiple shows. Please. New Year's Eve. Strap yourselves in, motherfuckers. Um, uh, RJ, so thank you so much for, for all your hard work and all the music you, you made this year and all the little sound bites and everything that we were able to make our show better this year. Thank you for that. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to Mick Hawley, who joined me on a bunch of the WWE shows this year, as well as Jagger's Eve. Uh, he, he was able to spare some time and give me uh, an ability to jump back into WWE a little bit and kind of tip, dip my toe into seeing what, and as well as Ring of Honor, uh, dip my toe into seeing what the other side was like after so long away. Uh, DK, you know, DK, thank you so much for, for a wonderful year at World's Funniest Podcast. I think this was our best Yager's Eve yet. Kyle was both, uh, shaken to his core. 
Um, and I think you had some fun. Uh, shout out to Jack London for joining us for the yes. Royal Rumble show we mentioned as yes. well. And he came back for another show um, that uh, you had recorded with him. Was scheduled to do another one, but I was unfortunately unable to get that going. Uh, this was really, really, that was really, really cool. Um, shout out to uh, Vince Delgado for the invite onto uh, his podcast. That was, that was a lot of fun. It was. That uh, was a lot of fun. I've never had so much fun on Pornhub before. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, that was a that was a great podcast. Uh, getting to do that as well. Uh, yeah, this is fun. Um, I do want to say this though. He did ask. So if anybody's listening to the end of this, um, I'm going to reach out probably in early or early January. Put some feelers out there to see if anybody's interested in partaking in WrestleQuizdom. I gotta, we gotta bring it back. Yeah, Rob is Rob is sitting in his chair, in his throne right now, sweating. He's he's got his world title belt around his waist and he's just rocking yeah. back and forth, going must talk about the eighties. So yeah, we're and we're yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna get that going again uh, for twenty twenty three. So something to look forward to is the return of our quiz show because I, I miss doing it and I feel like it's it's time for us to, to bring it back. Absolutely. Absolutely. With all that being said, Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to all of these podcasts, all three hours and 45 minutes of these ones. Kyle, RJ could put the could, could put the ad in like three times in this show. And he really should. And he um, should. 100%. Um with all that being said, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to all of our podcasts all year long where to find us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at WMWallop, Instagram WMWallop, Facebook, search Wednesday Night Wallop, my name, Rylan's name. Uh, you can find us there. If you want to find me on Twitter, it is at LeregendaryKJ, L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on Twitter? At, at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. Uh, this has been a wonderful year, as Ryland said. Very excited to see what is coming in for wrestling in the new year and for our podcast. Uh, lots of things to to get to. Lots of things to be excited for. There's going to be a live show. Um, very very exciting. Yes, absolutely. So, th- thank you so much to every single person who has listened to this episode all the way to the end. Thank you a lot. This has been a, a marathon, not a sprint. But thank you so, so very much to everyone who has listened all year and to everyone who's limited all the way to the end of this show, which is here. You have been walloped. Happy New Year. <laughs>